So he ended up taking a plea deal for nine years, three years suspended at the end. Theoretically, he got out a couple of years ago, potentially. What was the exact charge, like espionage? So interestingly enough, he accepted responsibility for the offenses he was actually guilty of, which was not espionage, just the two charges of disseminating or retaining classified information. Nine years for that under a plea deal. If you look at other people who had similar charges for willful retention of classified information or mishandling classified information, they didn't get nine years, not after a plea well, deal. I guess we're going to find out with Trump. Yeah. This guy, they threw the book at him. Hey guys, I need your help with three quick things, and if you're watching me on Spotify video right now, you can see this timer to my right. It is going to be fast. Number one, if you are not already following the show, please hit that follow button on Spotify or whatever audio platform you're on. Number two, if you're on Spotify right now, on our show's homepage in the description, you will see a link to our Spotify podcast clips channel. That's right. We are posting clips from this podcast every single day on there. There is a whole library, so go over there and follow. And finally, number three, if you are on Spotify or or Apple, please leave a five-star review. It is a huge, huge help to this show. Now, let's get to the episode. All right, we're back for round two here. That was a uh, that was a very back and forth round one. So round two, I think, will be even better. But what we so what we were talking about just now was getting to the orbs and how. On on the video, which again, for people who are not familiar with you, you're Ashton Forbes, you have been breaking down these two videos that are like kind of paired together of what mm-hmm. is alleged to be the, Melissing, the missing Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, which disappeared in March 2014. And when these videos that were from 2014 were released back in August through a user on Reddit, you took the lead here in actually tracking these down, investigating what their what the who the source was, what the veracity of the claims within the video are and how reliable it is, what it could mean for the investigation. We're gonna get all into what we saw and, and we are playing this video right now in the bottom corner of the screen, the thermal version, once again for people to see. I'm sure we're gonna be playing it again in this episode. But essentially you have what appears what is being called Malaysian Airlines Airlines flight 370 flying through the air with these weird orbs around it and it's it's got smoke in the background and then boom Mm -hmm. like it in one second here i think it goes away like you're gonna see you're gonna see where the orbs and the plane were not right now it's coming back onto the camera what timestamp are we at on this right now lassie here it is it's coming up on it so it's at like the 53 or 54 mark it goes away we're on 50 you see the orbs you see the plane heat signal still there Bang! There it goes. Yeah. So you know we'll we'll get into what that could have been in it and and everything, but let's let's start with 
the orbs that the first yep. time you saw it did you immediately think like defense weapon or was it more i think you may have said this early in another podcast we mm-hmm. did but still just to reiterate yeah. did you think defense weapon or like extraterrestrial like what was your first thought uh my first thought was that this might be non-human intelligence i mean just because of what i had seen in ufology with triangle black triangles uh orbs i have been in the zeitgeist for the last five years or so you know, initially, I thought this this potentially would have to be some type of non-human intelligence. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter to me what narrative ends up being true. I mean, I think that the strongest narratives here are that this is either non-human intelligence or potentially reverse engineered technology. You know, and I think that the weight in terms of what uh, which ones it might be is that you know, there's no reason for such an extensive cover-up if this is something that's an anomalous event. You know, I would say if it's an anomalous event, you're just going to say, oh, there was a fire and then the plane, you know, right. disappeared, right. right, or something like that. The assets that are filming it are U.S. military assets. Uh, they're filming before the orbs appear. So when we see the videos here, they're already filming before the orbs appear using the SIGINT system. It appears to be that they're trying to collect intelligence on this plane. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Um, the orbs are moving at roughly Mach 3 here is what we've estimated based on it. They're moving 10 times faster than the plane's moving. And the plane on, on this turn is moving between 150 miles and 200 miles an hour. What is Mach? Like, so that, yeah, what does that measure? It's speed. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, but like what, on Mach what 3 scale? is like 2,000 miles an hour plus. Wow. It's fast. They're moving very, very, very How many quickly. Mach was it again? About Mach 3, we think, between Mach 2 and Mach 3. Depends exactly, but we can tell from the pixels they're moving 10 times faster than the plane is yeah. at a minimum. So it's, they're moving really fast. They appear to be ignoring gravity. There's no res- resistance apparently on them. Mm-hmm. They're not falling to the ground despite the fact that we only see these forward-facing engines on them. Um, the pattern can be explained by AI. Uh, we don't think that there's like little beans in here or even humans in these things. They're, their pattern is too exact. It seems to have purpose built into it. Um, the fire event that we talked about in the last uh, uh, first half of this podcast here really indicates a rescue motive or espionage motive, which it's really hard to attribute human motivations to a non-human intelligence. Like I would argue that if there's this non-human intelligence is very advanced, they're going to act the same way towards us as though we would act towards like ants. Like we just don't care. Oh, right? so you're of like the Michu Kaku. <laughs> is that Neil what he DeGrasse? thinks? Well, Neil deGrasse is on a whole different mm-hmm. level, but so you don't think we're that interesting? Um, I don't think that we're that interesting. I think that Unless non-human intelligence ends up being related to us, then I think that we shouldn't try to attribute human motivations to that. And if it were related, that would signify like future humans getting through the multiverse and altered terrestrials, you know, maybe other beings that lived here before us that are somehow related to us. I mean, honestly, I'm not really sold exactly on non-human intelligence. Um, I need more evidence to really get on board with it. 
Um, but I am pretty sold on the UAP side of it, which, you know, uh, whistleblower David Grush has testified to Congress mm-hmm. about that. And you know, I find him to be credible. I think that, you know, he was under penalty of perjury when he was doing that as well. So, Do you ever wonder if there's an intelligence angle to that, though? Because you're under penalty of perjury, but if you're yeah. in on intelligence, there's no perjury, no? Uh, I don't know. It seems a little too complex for me. I like simple answers, but sure, you know, of you course. You like simple <laughs> answers, and you're investigating this case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, that, definitely. But that's, you know, part of the reason why it can still be a complex story, but you can still get to a simple solution, right? Which is that we don't need non-human intelligence to explain anything we see in these videos, Science can explain every aspect of them. That's interesting because – and that also mm-hmm. – it's easy. I mean I know where my mind goes when I say something like this. I'm like, son of a bitch, they're here. You know what I mean? It's so easy to <laughs> yeah. go to that. But And that's what I went to initially. Like I think for about a week or two and like even on the earlier podcast, you'll hear me talk, hear me talk about that is that that's – I feel like right. it had to be that because before I had all the basic – the understanding of science and went through those prerequisites that we talked about in the last podcast, which are DOD, Navy, FLIR footage, tr- uh, Trump satellite leak – uh, advanced theoretical physics concepts, including wormholes. Um, we didn't really go into it, but LK99, superconductivity, it feels like humanity is on the verge of it if we haven't already figured it out. Uh, and room temperature superconductivity there, not just superconductivity mm-hmm. in general. And then AI. You know, Even in 2014, I thought AI is like you know, decades in the future. But now people are using ChatGPT daily. Now oh, I no. start to wonder yeah. if like AI has already taken over the world. You know, like that's where my mind's at now with respect to it. I mean, it's not that far-fetched of a thought because, I mean, yeah. they, they had this shit in a long, we'll just say a long time ago. We've had people talk about it on this podcast about mm-hmm. how long ago they had some of this stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, so generally, you know, I thought that at first that, yeah, it had to be non-human intelligence. But the more I dug into the science of it, the more I've dug into the motivations around what was happening and, and kind of distilled the case down as we were talking about the last podcast – I personally come to the conclusion that this is our reverse engineered technology. And the reason why I say reverse engineered is I just can't personally understand or believe how we could have got this advanced without some assistance. There had Mm. to be, in my mind at least, you know, we looked at something, we saw this stuff working, we saw floating UAPs, et cetera. And maybe it took 80, 100 years, but we eventually figured it out. And then that just kind of slingshotted, you know, the military, the you know, whoever has this technology forward and it's not being made public for reasons I think near the end of this we should talk about because I think it's like, what are the ramifications of this technology is real? A lot of people want to think, oh, it's just green energy and all good and rainbows, right? But with nuclear energy comes nuclear bombs. Yes. With green energy comes X, right? What, what comes with that, right? And I think that people don't want to face that side of it. I'm almost willing to be inclined to say that I would almost theoretically just let this case go because of what I've re- realized about the technology, because of the potential ramifications and impacts of it. But that's MH370 on those videos. And mm. those families got no answers. They were just told, sorry, your family, we're going to you know, call them deceased and call it a day. Um, and to me, I just can't live with that. You it's know? the only one of its case in world history, right, where a plane was, was ruled, least- everyone's dead, and nothing was ever found. I think at least with like a big passenger plane, probably. I'm mean, sure there's some other small yeah, like ones Amelia that disappeared. Yeah, I was thinking Amelia Airport, right? but, but that's but not that really so comparable to this, right? Yeah. And we're living in a world, post 9-11 world, where there's satellites everywhere. Right. I mean, we show from that cyber system, how could they not have seen it, right? Just yeah. scanning everywhere all the time. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I always remember that. Too. There's there's real, there's a lot of, it was a big flight, 239 people. There's a mm-hmm. lot of real human beings still here, family members and friends caught in the middle of this. And like... 
Yeah. It's it's tragic. I mean, it's it's horrible. So can we just run down like the video? Can we go back to the stereoscopic sure. satellite one? Because yeah. I want to run through some facts and some speculation with you guys. This is the the dual one, right? Yeah, What's yeah. It the dual. In your driving um, so yeah, that one's called the um, stereoscopic satellite one. Okay. Now some facts here. I'll just run down what we're looking at. So the videos were proven to date back to 2014 from the archives and from people who saw them, where I saw at least the thermal footage. Yes. The satellite. Yep. Satellite stereoscopic. The satellite stereoscopic perspective changes eight times with coordinates visible in six of them. Those Vid- video in corner of the screen right now. Yeah, in the bottom left, which is difficult to see here, but yes. Um, and those coordinates indicate the Nicobar Islands. The fact that we see this 3D stereoscopic effect would indicate that you would have to have two satellites in close proximity right. in outer space, which is um, uh, essentially potentially capable of being USA-229, which was there. Um, from the drone video, we see a General Atomics MQ-1C Great Eagle, and we see that it has an electro-IR camera with a thermal layer added over the top. For the SIBR system that we believe we're seeing right here, and SIGINT, the tracking the purpose of this is tracking boats, planes, electronic signals, monitoring intelligence, and battlefield awareness. Intelligence and battlefield awareness. That's interesting. Yeah. Alternative sources of these videos exist in higher quality indicating that none of the people were potentially the original source, potentially came from a third-party source. Well, we see this guy. I think I mentioned this in, in the last podcast we did, but we see that in this actual video, there's mm-hmm. someone scrolling the yeah, mouse across the screen, that. right? That's coming up right now, actually. So it's set, so they're, it's like they're taking a screenshot grab so, of it. Yeah, and I'll just speak off the cuff on this. Is When I started looking at it, this is where I started to get really invested that this must be real because I noticed that this is not a camera that's behind the screen, right, behind the person. It's not even a camera phone that they're using. They're doing an actual screen recording here. And so what this meant was we were able to show that um, the mouse moves off the screen in the bottom left and in the top right, indicating that what we're seeing is a cropped field from a much bigger field of view that this person Mm. is doing this screen recording on. We were able to uh, assume here that this is a custom video recording software, probably by Sibbers, and that they're using this screen grab of it that where they're panning around this larger field of view. Um, in addition to that, this the Citrix session proof is that we had people who were trying to debunk it were showing that there's a different frame rate in the mouse that we see that this black mouse comes across mm. the screen than the background. The background is six frames per second, which would indicate this very large field of view potentially that is like doing, so that's why you see this stuttering of the plane. Yeah, but is why it, would the mouse, why would that matter? No, the mouse is 24 frames per second which is indicative of a Citrix session, Citrix session terminal uh, terminal that's kind of logged in yeah. to the actual database. They were trying to debunk it over that, though? Well, because they saw there was a discrepancy. So they figured, oh, if there's a discrepancy in the frame rate, it must mean that there must be a visual effect added to it. I mean, maybe I'm really stupid saying this, but like if I'm scrolling over a video on YouTube that is somehow filmed in, well, let's say it's 24 frames a second and I have a 60 frame per second screen, my mouse is still moving in 60, you know? Uh, I think you're accurate on that. I was I think I'm following that correctly. Right? I'm just but a yeah. mouse, not the Yeah, in this case though, you know, we're looking at the whole recording here. So like, you know, with the mouse that we see over here over the top, right? Like this would be kind of indicative of something like that. But the problem is that we can see that the mouse does not move the coordinates, but it's almost like they're using a second analog. What we've narrowed this down to is we think this is something called either a stealth or soft mouse 3D controller that the military uses that actually allows for them to move these coordinates around and have the mouse move independently. So almost like you would use like a lock-in trackball or the middle mouse. Um, we actually found this video that was like this plural view 3D where these people are wearing like 3D glasses and they're actually looking at it and you can see the mouse down there. 
Now, otherwise, the way we figured out is just deducing from the video, like almost everything else, where you can see that the mouse simply doesn't move the coordinates, but it, like the mouse stays put when the shift of the view happens, which would indicate that they're using potentially the same analog, but a different uh, like option on the analog to move the field of view around. Mm. Um, so that part's really interesting because it essentially proves that they, I mean, it's consistent, let's say, with a Citrix session, right? We can't say factually it 100% is, but why would that get built into a fake recording, right? So if we're going back to like who's hoaxing this, now for some reason they have to build in this Citrix session into their hoax, which I've seen a lot of hoax videos out there. I don't think I've ever seen a situation where they're, oh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and build in this mouse overlay into it that has a Citrix session that updates the coordinates, which we'll talk about in the requirements as well. Um, so in addition to that, just looking at a couple of my other pieces of evidence around this, um, yeah, I think we already talked about that. There's actually, in the satellite footage, it's very hard to see, but right after the zap happens... The stereoscopic? Yeah, the stereoscopic one. Let's pull that up again. Um, right after the zap happens, there is a Scrolling hole that zap. gets formed in one of the clouds to the left, which is very unusual. It's almost really hard to see in this case, but right where the plane is to the right, that cloud just to the right of the plane right now, a little hole forms right after the zap. Okay. You can't really see it that well from this particular version. There's a higher quality version that other people have uploaded that actually makes it a little bit more clear. But it's a very unusual little addition where that a very tiny hole forms in one of the clouds there. Um, let's see. So again, we talked about the altitude, but I want to mention this again, is that when we're looking at this footage, these are cumulus clouds. So if you've flown in planes before, these don't look like the clouds you would see at cruising altitude. And that's because these clouds only form between one and 5,000 feet, which is very important because that helps corroborate that the smoke trail is not uh, contrails behind the plane. The plane is making this left-hand turn that we have shown is consistent with the max capabilities of 777-200. And this is something that's also very difficult to fake because now if you're trying to fake this, especially if you have two different angles, you need to make this 3D environment for it. Now you have to know what the max capabilities are that are consistent with real life, right? And to be able to recreate that, we'll talk about it in a little bit, is that even uh, movies like Top Gun Maverick that came out in 2022 had really difficult time with showing an accurate plane using its real capabilities flying through the sky. So hmm. that's something as well that's very difficult to, uh, to fake. Um, the MQ-1C is actually just cropped out of view when it starts. If you want to go back to the images... I believe I have one called Satellite Cropped in there, and it uh, potentially shows that the MQ-1C is just probably right out of view. Even if we can't pull that up, it's not super important, um, but you can tell from the... This one? Satellite coverage? Um, There's a bunch of satellites. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I don't there. see it right there. Yeah, so there, there it is right there. So you can see That's the drone is like probably just out of view there because it, in the drone video, it comes right underneath the smoke trail. And uh, gets you know uh, shakes from the turbulence of the plane as well, so it must have just been cropped out. What was the name of that drone again? MGC one. It's an Atomics General Atomics MQ one C Gray Eagle. Right. And if you Google again the and that's where allegedly the thermal image came from. Yeah, and if you Google the SIGINT payload in Google, you'll find that the top hit actually references MQ one C Gray Eagle, which is the mm. SIGINT system is what we think is connecting all these devices. Interestingly enough. Interesting. Um, so the, the fact that it's cropped out of view also indicates because of the timeline, remember, the satellite footage was released first. The satellite footage says received March 12th, 2014, uploaded May 19th, 2014. The drone footage says received June 5th, 
2014, uploaded June 12th, 2014. So it's almost like the person that leaked the first video wasn't even sure they were going to leak the second one, and they cropped that drone out because they didn't know they would even leak it. So there might be other assets here that were cropped out as well, potentially. Maybe the a- the AWACS that in the last um, version of the podcast here that we were talking about. And we, we had t- early on in the last podcast, we had touched on at least some of this. We just didn't really get into it. So if there's just some review things mm-hmm. that you have heard, yes, you have heard them. We're just reviewing a couple of the pertinent facts so that you have them as, as Ashton is presenting exactly. the case here. Um, so that's pretty much the main stuff. Now, the smoking gun here, again, is that USA-229, this satellite that we were able to recreate, is in the right location, the right time, with the right apparent angle, with a sister satellite it's set as debris, capable of taking uh, 3D stereoscopic video at 1840 UTC. And this is where everything kind of lines up to where we think our location of our videos was actually happening. The exact same location as we talked about in the last podcast is where this South Indian Ocean turn and time supposedly happened as well. The cameras on these equipments are theoretically made for filming these events. Very advanced electro-IR camera on that drone that has the ability to put in that thermal layer. And when we see that thermal layer, it adds a lot of detail to the videos as well. Is there anything that connects any of this stuff to the AWACS that were allegedly in the area? Yeah, so... If you look up the SIGINT system, there's actually a Black Vault FIA, uh, Freedom of Information Act request, that was put in that says that these systems usually come in threes. So we've got mm. two over here, right? We've got a drone and we've got satellite. Why do they come in threes? That's interesting. Uh, probably just for intelligence purposes, uh, but I'm not entirely sure on that one. Hmm. So interestingly enough, the third system then could be the AWAC that's there, potentially connecting the data to build the Sibbers uh, video that we see. And what were they allegedly doing there? That was so just for people to refresh mm-hmm. on AWACS, this is information that was allegedly passed from a source to that French journalist, Florence, I forget her last name right now, saying that potentially two American AWACS, which are a type of airplane system that, mm-hmm. that we allegedly have were in the area. So what what is their like what are they usually used for? As far as I can tell, they're usually used to jam signals mm. or to uh as radar purposes to be able to detect uh you know planes, et cetera, that are in the area. So it seems like their purpose would be similar to what Sibber's purpose is, is tracking boats, tracking planes. I think one of the things they can do is track submarines as well underwater. Mm. So one of these planes is called the EP three E Aries two by Lockheed Martin. And it's EP, very possible. EP3E areas too? Yeah. And one of the capabilities there is video, real-time video playback of that plane. It has a capacity of around 20 people, I believe. Hmm. Um, so it's very possible that the person who would have leaked these videos may have actually been there on one of those planes at the night and that this person probably was caught. Because as we talked about the Citrix session, as far as I know, these Citrix sessions are easily logged. So if this video gets out there, U.S. government sees it. They're going to go back and figure out, okay, who is the person that did this? Again, they use a screen recorder. Why do you do it then? In my opinion, they had an emotional reaction. They were an operator who saw this in real life. Are you sick of the coffee jitters from drinking it too many days in a row? How about that dreaded afternoon crash? Well, then listen up because I have an amazing on-the-go drink for you to try. Mudwater. Mudwater is a coffee alternative containing four adaptogenic mushrooms. Big words because they're really cool. With only a fraction of the caffeine of a cup of coffee, you're still going to get that all-day energy without the jitters or the crash. And by the way, each ingredient was added for a very specific purpose. You got cacao and chai for a hint of caffeine and a tasty hot chocolate-like flavor, cordyceps to promote natural energy, and both chaga and reishi to support a healthy immune system. All you got to do is take a scoop of mudwater powder, drop it into hot 
hot water, stir, and get on with your day. Personally, I love how you can drink mud water straight up or mix it into your favorite smoothie. Gotta have options, baby. So what I need you to do is go down and click the mud water link in my description and at checkout use promo code Julian to get 15% off the best coffee alternative you'll ever find. Once again, that's promo code Julian, J-U-L-I-A-N, at checkout to get 15% off your own mud water today. And by the way, they're going to throw in a free frother as well. Everybody wins. Now let's get back to the show. And think of it from this perspective, just like we just talked about. What was my first reaction when I saw it? Potentially, this is non-human intelligence. First thing they're going to think is nobody's going to get to know the truth here because this this anomalous event happens, right? And so they think, oh, okay, this is non-human intelligence. I'm going to leak this. Can't really damage U.S. government as long as I crop everything out. All it's going to show is this plane and these orbs circling it and then the plane disappearing. But how would that not damage the U.S. government? People are going to ask questions about that. No. Well, they'll ask the questions on the official story, right? And they'll say that the official story is bullshit. But how much more does it damage than that? It damages their credibility. But, okay, well, aliens zapped the plane. Okay, whatever. I mean, who's even going to believe it, honestly? Yeah. But then I thought about it some more. And I thought, you know, what if then they find out this is reverse engineered technology, Mm. that this is our technology? And what if they get told that? Maybe the person who leaked it didn't even know, right? They didn't know this was our technology. And now they come up and say, hey, you didn't just leak aliens and UFOs. You just leaked our technology to the enemy, right? And now the enemy can reverse engineer it from watching these videos the same way that in a few minutes here, we're going to talk about how we've looked at the science and been able to explain it. Yeah, I got to say, and maybe that's true. If I were that guy, though, and I saw that, and I were the type of dude who flew on a plane like that, Mm Mm-hmm. My first thought in that case would not be aliens. My first thought would be like, oh, shit, That's awesome. DARPA's doing some shit, baby. Let's go. Let's cook. <laughs> Maybe. Like, yeah. I would not be th- – I that that was a risky move to do that if, if that's what happened. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious about it too, but it definitely seems like the person who would have leaked this, you know, assuming they're real, definitely had an emotional reaction, right? The same way that the families have had emotional reactions, the same way that I've had emotional reaction looking at it and realizing they're like, hey, no one will ever know the truth unless this video gets leaked. It's just – it's too incredible – you know, the plane just literally disappears out of space time. So even without knowing what the official narratives would, they would have known that no one will ever know the truth. And you had said this, you explained the whole thing in a previous podcast mm-hmm. we did. So I, I don't, we don't need to run all the way through it, but it was yeah. from an account called Reginon. So the, the account that first uploaded it, as far as we can tell from the archives, is Regicidanon. Yeah. Regi- yes. Regicidanon, and some other people sorry. uploaded it. Like I've got some other links here for people that uploaded it later on in like July or August that they are higher first. quality, but they yeah. were not the first yeah. ones, right? Yeah. So that's why we indicate that theoretically this was leaked to some forum out there, UFO potential forum, or even the dark web. We don't know exactly where. Hmm. Um, there isn't really a lot that corroborates the exact location other than the fact that these are all UFO accounts that seem to have uploaded it. Um, the last thing, too, is that the satellite designation in there shows NRL 22. And this is very important because there's some debunks about it that are out there that are incorrect. They claim it shows 33, which was sent up after the effects, of the uh, events of MH370. Who said that? Uh, there's a Newsweek debunk out there, and there's also a France 24 debunk. Newsweek debunk of these videos since August. Yeah, it was actually it came out the next day after these videos reemerged on Reddit, the very next day on August 9th. And if you go look at it, you want to pull up my Newsweek it. debunk picture? I was actually the very first person to debunk the Newsweek debunk. It's in the uh, images I sent you guys. This was before I was even anybody known with the respect to this case. I think I had 30 followers at this point. Um, and you can actually see, oh, is that, no, it should be one called Newsweek. 
Go to the I have ends. I have the article right here. Fact yeah. check to video show MH370 Boeing teleported away by UFOs. Yeah, and I just want to right? show the proof here that, you know, this was from August 9th. You can see right there. And you can see my name right at the bottom. So it's August 9th. And this was be- actually technically I posted this before I even changed my account name and revealed my full identity. It just retrospectively updated it. But interestingly enough, they had claimed that originally this was NROL 77. Whatever, whoever they copied this from didn't even copy the only fact in it correctly. Um, which I thought was very suspicious, especially due to the timing. I mean, this came out the next day after these videos reemerged on Reddit. How do you know again? Like, what's your evidence that you have the right satellite versus this? Yeah. So, um, if we look at there's an image uh, that I've kind of blown up here, and if you pull up, I believe I called it satellite designation. If you pull it up in there, we can pull it up and show, show everybody. Yeah, top right there. Yeah. yeah. So this is important. So you can tell it's not threes because you can see 93 halfway through the image right there. The 93 standalone, you can clearly see what threes look like. So you can tell that what is really showing there is NRL 22 over to the left. Now, initially, you can even see from the image we previously yeah, showed, that's definitely twos. Yeah. I was thinking it was NRL 32. And that was part where, you know, going back to our, the end of our last uh, podcast where I was potentially too invested because I was thinking that... 30 NRL 32 is a geostationary satellite in the South Indian Ocean. Wait, where did you get this again? This is actually just from the there's a higher quality version of the satellite video, ah. and so we could see it more clearly from and it was that cut video. Off ever mm-hmm. so wow. The one that we have is more, more, more cut off the one that we were showing. This one comes from a higher quality one. They that almost wasn't as pulled cut off. it off, they only got halfway though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I thought initially it was 32, and that's why you see my comments. I know this is NRL 32, and I was wrong about that. That was when I thought that this must be in the South Indian Ocean. What uh, did they say it was again? NRL? They thought 33 or, or se- it was initially 77. They've since updated their article to claim it's. 33, which is also incorrect. Um, so it's actually 22 in here. So the only fact in the Newsweek debunk is incorrect. Everything else is subjective in the Newsweek debunk. So quick question. I, yeah. s- I might have spoken too soon. Maybe I didn't, though. The, my first reaction is that those are twos right there. But yep. is that possible those are threes? Because you can't see where it bends to the left, like it's being cut right at the tipping point? Yeah, people have analyzed it really hard, but ultimately, at the end of the day, the 93 really rules it out because you can see the three from the 93 oh, over yeah, there to the yeah, right. Yeah. You know, but and is so, it is yeah. it also um, is it also like satellite digitization on imbalance a little bit too? Because it's not like per, you know what I mean. It's more of like that military machine we've looked into like they've looked into every people on reddit looked into all the different uh, fonts that it could be and ultimately the conclusion was that this has to be 22 and that's where even i kind of corrected myself thinking maybe it could be 32 which i really wanted it to be but geostationary satellites are so far away that the image would be from straight above so yeah. that's where I realized that I was wrong, even though you'll see from my comment reply, I said, no, I think it's 32, but it could be 22. But either yeah. way, they started at 77. So <laughs> when they started close. at 77, I just assumed that the AI that must have copied this article to create it just didn't <laughs> copy it correctly. Um, hey, guys, keep your eyes out for a message at the end of this video. I added something on the end after the episode was over that you guys need to hear. Thank you. And then when they- this episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. They switched over to 33. That was something that we looked at the uh, the old original debunk from France 24 that's claimed 33. And that also, at a very minimum, it's contested. But in my mind, that definitely says 22, okay. which is a command satellite that we were able to uh, recreate as well, uh, USA-184. What's the difference between, mm-hmm. let's say, 22 and 77? Well, 77 doesn't exist out there because there's oh, no launch simple. 77 yet. Okay. <laughs> 33 was sent up in 2000, later in 2014 after the event, I believe, or 2015. So that couldn't be it. And that's how they were trying to debunk this. Say oh, that, well, that would be your answer then that yeah. this is 22. Yeah, exactly. It can't yeah. be 33, right? So that's the situation. Now, I thought maybe it could be 32, which theoretically could have been. But you can tell those two numbers look the same. They don't look like two different numbers either. Yeah, I could go get yeah. my laser yeah. see if it's level. I have it right out there. But I, I, yeah. either way, the point's made. Yeah, I mean, and so this 22 was sent up in 2006. And so, again, this is the one where we think this was probably one of the first satellites sent up as part of the Sibir system to begin okay. to create this 3D video that they have. So, okay, so that's the, the speculation and the facts related to the videos in general. Um, and then I think that if we want to look at, I mean, maybe go back to the thermal here. What did they say anything else? Because we didn't get all the way into that debunk. Should I read some of this? It's all everything else. That's those are the only facts in the debunk. Everything else is subjective. Because the other thing they started with is the title asks if it's a UFO thing. It doesn't mention like <laughs> regular tech. So yeah, you, yeah, maybe you could debunk this a UFO, but but. Yeah. Well, UFO technically means unidentified flying object. It doesn't have to mean mm-hmm. alien, in fairness to them. But still, so it says, uh, I'm scrolling down the article, a Reddit post sent on August 7, 2023 on the subreddit UFOs, which received 4,900 upvotes, include what looked like ultraviolet footage of a plane encircled by three moving dots. It was followed by another clip appearing to show the same phenomena. Reddit user Volcaro, who uploaded the video, suggested, quote, someone here might have information about when it was taken down and where, unquote. A number of the comments underneath the video suggested... It could be linked to Malaysia Airlines flight MH370. A post on Twitter posted on August 8, 2023, included the same footage and stated UFO video uploaded in 2014 showing three orb UFOs taking Malaysian Airlines MH370. Despite some speculation that the footage is of the missing Malaysian Airlines flight, the video was debunked several months ago. Fact checkers at France 24's observers team in March investigated the film, which appeared in a TikTok that repeated the same allegations. Observers found that the original footage was linked to a video from May 2014 that made no mention of MH370, only airliner and UFOs. Speaking to, a, to video analysis experts, it found that later uploads of the video began describing it as a simulation of, quote, what the disappearance of Malaysia Airlines flight MH370 may have looked like, unquote. One editing expert said the video was likely a graphic creation. 
As analysis by Hoaxi included in the same article also noted that the second part of the footage could be traced to a military satellite, NROL-33, so this is where they updated it from 77 to 33, uh-huh. which wasn't launched until after the disappearance of MH370. It points out the call sign of the craft in the bottom of the left video, which can be partially seen in the footage post on Reddit. Even subsequent attempts to share the video as a proof of UFO interference in MH370 have included the same call sign information. Newswing previously investigated other bogus claims about MH370. H370, including photos incorrectly attributed to a missing aircraft. So it says the rating, false. The video shared on Reddit is not footage of Malaysia Air. Not that these, you know, there's plenty of these fact checkers that miss, so let's point that out. But the video shared on Reddit is not footage of Malaysia Airlines flight MH370. It was posted online in 2014 with no reference to that craft, although sub, but you pointed out the guy did tweet about it and hashtagged it a month later. We put, can we put that image back on the screen, Alessi? Yep, the Regicide from, Twitter. From the Regicide Twitter account from 2014. Anyway, one of the clips in the video included film captured by a satellite that wasn't launched until after MH370's disappearance. All right, so yeah, that, and that's that's the end. It, it pretty much just repeats what it said. So what did they say? Essentially, though, they're relying on some of the same things that I'm arguing with you on other stuff about. Like, let's level the playing field here. They're using words like experts anonymously behind a quote that could have just been a DM just like you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, whatever. So it's it's kind of subjective no oh yeah the only fact in there from hoax is objectively incorrect right they say it's 33 but again this is just 22 we can see pretty clearly um the other thing that they just get wrong and they seem to intentionally exclude is when they argue there's actually the one of the people who later uploaded it speculated that it would be fake like they, and they put that quote in there they forget the next paragraph which actually says that registered on account argued with other people about the validity of the videos now, that's pretty important because if Regicide Anon was convinced that it was real, and we can see that Regicide Anon was because we see it on the screen here, yeah. then that casts doubt as to whether or not it was really fake. Yeah, so right? he sent out – this is the image we had shown last episode, but the third one right there, right? Or no, the second and third on May yeah. 22nd, 2014, and June 13th, 2014, he hashtags MH370. The second time, Yeah. Interesting. And so this person argued with the other people that it was real. Now, keep in mind, sure, everyone looks at that, and they're going to have a, a visceral reaction say that must be fake, especially in 2014, where we didn't have all this background that we needed to understand it to be real. So I think that they, of course, highlight the part where the person said, oh, they, didn't, they thought it must be a recreation, but they don't highlight the part where Regicide argued about the validity of the videos. Um, so I think that that's deceptive at a minimum. And then the hoax side part is just objectively false. So it's surprising to me that they haven't retracted this because it's, you know, one of probably many. Surprising to you they haven't retracted it? (laughs) Maybe not that surprising. Yeah, come on. Um, Especially because there's been some very high-level people who I'm not going to name right now who have quoted this even in recent days as saying that they thought these videos were debunked by this, uh, which is, to me, that shows how much damage that fake fact checks can really do to people. Yeah. Um, now, if they were to argue some of the points where you have been, you know, more contestantly argue, then I would take that more seriously. But they really haven't. From a factual well, you, perspective, yeah, they you, don't really look at almost anything. You have to argue where you can where you can poke a hole mm-hmm. with some sort of something in front of you, right? Like when you're yeah. giving me information, you're giving me things that are in front of me. But there doesn't. I mean, I'll I'll read it again later. That didn't seem to do that. And like you said, mm-hmm. it's so hit or miss with this stuff online now because. I mean, mm-hmm. who hires the fact checkers? Yeah, exactly. What are the motives? What's behind them? Like you said, it could have been like an AI article for all we know, you know, which which is also kind of scary for a litany of reasons. But th- there, there's another yeah. question with this. When, yeah. you, when you look at the footage, 
satellite imagery aside, like, yeah. you know, that could technically be put on there or whatever. You – and I think you have more more evidence for this coming into this than I could to dispute this. But mm-hmm. let's let's go through it. You have said – let's start with the first of two things. Number one, you said – that this, based on the fact that it was, I'll let you explain the actual like sure. dates, but I think it had to do with like the receive date and how yeah. long that was after the actual event. Mm-hmm. You have said that this could not be visual effects yeah. based on what? Yeah, so the receive date of the first video says receive March 12th, 2014. Four days after the crash. Just four days after. Yeah. So to me, and when we get to the kind of the debunk side of it, um, and maybe we should just go into that. Yeah. I, I think yeah, this yeah. might be a good time to do it. And then we'll Let's just come it. back to the science side of it, right? Yes. Yeah. So this is the fake, the requirements to fake the videos. Between four and 72 days to create based on whether or not you believe it's March 12th or March 19th as the date. Now, if you argue that Regicide Anon was lying about it or whatever, they're in on it, then that's really like where your basis of your story to fake the videos is. If Regicide was in on it. He lied about the date for some reason of the received date. The real date is May 19th. That means you have up to 72 days. If Regicide's not in on it and they're just a random person like I, I would argue, then you have only four days theoretically, because they have no reason to lie about when they receive that footage. They're just a random, wait, they're just a random. If they're a random UFO uploader, right, that they upload videos that they received and someone was given and then they got this and they're not lying about it, about when they received it, then you'd have just four days to create this satellite video. There's no reference to copy this from. Let's assume it's four days. Let's be more aggressive. Okay. Rather than 72. 72 (laughs) makes it wider and more easy to debunk. It's definitely easier for sure. Let's say it's four. But that's, you know, that's the, the details around it. So, there's no reference copy to copy this from. There's not another version of this. People looked out there, tried to find. There's other, some satellite footage of like what might be possible, but nothing that looks remotely close to us, including nothing like our thermal that we see as well from the MQ-1C Gray Eagle, certainly not from 2014. Mm. The closest is probably the stuff we saw from 2017, right, of the DOD videos. And those were out there nine years beforehand. So you might argue that you might have some basis if you thought those videos were real, but those were not authenticated and declassified until 2017. You would have to know how to create these realistic volumetric clouds, those cumulus clouds we see there. I mean, they look perfect to me. And I think the other point is that uh, people from all across the country or the world in general have looked at these videos, especially tried to debunk them as they came out and reemerged since August 8th and 9th. And nobody can find any issue in any single frame anywhere throughout them. Not a single one has been presented that there Not was an issue, but some mistake or something that would have been done to indicate that it is, you know, a, a CGI visual effect, et cetera, et cetera, in there. Who's the guy who? Who's the expert who you've talked to about this? And where are they? Yeah, so I've talked to two. I've gotten. Like, let's say I haven't directly talked to the expert. Uh, no, that's not true. I've talked to several people who are visual effects experts. One of them is named Shai Keenan on Twitter, who is a visual effects expert, has testified to that, and uh, said that, you know, the hardest part about faking these would be the orbs circling around the plane. Because when you do visual effects, you need to have a blank slate to work with. And you've got these visual effects. And if you want to pull up, uh, I believe it's called, I'm trying to pull it up here. It's one of the ones that the, oh, I just had it up. The orbs, when they go through the trail of the plane, they get accurately distorted. Look at three overlaid frames is what it's called. 
Yeah, it starts the with number two, three. Yeah, three. Oh, uh, no, 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 that that one there. Oh, yeah. So watch this one here. You can actually see. Watch this orbs. Look at how it, it actually what, goes through the trail, the plane right there. What are we looking at? This so is this the... is a, a version that we've created that has that peels out the thermal layer from some editing software to better see some detail in this thermal video that is the MQ1C Gray Eagle, and you can actually see very clearly that the orb gets distorted as it goes through the back of the plane. Now this is extremely difficult to fake, and this is part of the reason why. Why VFX is it difficult experts. to fake? For the same reason I was mentioning before is that if you have like a real plane there and you're trying to put the orbs into it for whatever reason, which is what a lot of people want to say is, okay, maybe the orbs and the zap have been added in there. Now you've got to go ahead and you've got to painstakingly emulate exactly what the distortion would look like for the orb going through the trail. What if it's not the real plane? What and if even if that's fake as well, you still have to then not only now you have to be create a realistic model that's exactly matches MH370. But then you also have to go ahead and create the distortion effect of the orbs. The better way to do that would be just not have it go through the tail of the plane so you don't have to go through that effort, right? Um, so there's a lot of small details like that which really point to the videos being authentic. Um, in addition to the volumetric clouds... Who, real quick, go who's, ahead. Yeah, who's, your guy, who's your oh, guy yeah, at Marvel? So, yeah, on one of my podcasts, the Dis- Total Disclosure podcast, um, he spoke with Jeffrey Ford, who's a Marvel VFX lead, and he said that with respect to doing all the background research... Who of, spoke with him? The guy who hosts that podcast? Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. So he, he spoke with him and says that with respect to doing the background research in terms of the angles, the assets, and all of that, even with today's technology, it would take four to six months in order to be able to do that to create the you know satellite video that we see in there. What's the guy's name? Jeffrey Ford. So you can look him up. And that's with today's yeah, technology. With Some people have also told me, and this isn't on my list right now, is that... Just to render the videos in a, in a 3D environment uh, using 2014 technology would take weeks just to render them. Hold on. This guy has a Wikipedia. I'm just having a lessie put it sure. up over there because so, I'm a little crunched, like, looking over here all the time. So I yeah. haven't put it on the computer. So, we can take so a look at those. this is a direct – yeah, yeah. Hit the, hit the Wikipedia to the right, to the right. Yep. Okay. Jeffrey Ford is an American film editor. He was nominated by for an Ace Eddie Award for Best Edited Film Musical Comedy, The Family Stone. Uh, while working on some films set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ford came up with the idea to include Robert Downey Jr.'s line of, and I, okay, so obviously that's... It looks like he's got 23-year history right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, he's got a, yeah, it's got his crew work and everything on there. So this guy, and it mm. says television, that latest one, man, mm-hmm. thing, vocal, okay. So yep. this guy was saying it would take up to six months to yeah. do something like Get the that back research based on 2014 and, uh, technology. No, based on now's technology. So mm-hmm. going back to 2014, you know, another big aspect, too, is just the computing power to render a full 3D environment, which is required to take two different angles of the video, supposedly would have taken up to two weeks. That's at least what I've been told. I don't okay. know how accurate it is because I'm not an expert. Right. But I know, of course, it would take a while just because of, you know, computing processing isn't like it is in 2023 and 2014. Yeah, we I mentioned this on the last podcast, but to mm-hmm. be clear, like we're going on air right now. There was someone I spoke to this morning who is wired in at a major VFX place who's, who is challenging that and saying, no, they could have easily done this and they are – testing how well they would have been able to do that with 2014 technology but we went on air too soon so i don't have mm-hmm. i don't have evidence to say like oh they did it you know nope. for sure they they were they were confident about it though and i do think 
you know, my first thought when I look at stuff like this, and I know it was also James Fox's thought, and a lot of people, it doesn't mean they're right, but yeah. it does. I mean, like, I remember watching The Day After Tomorrow in fucking 2004. You know what I mean? And, like, mm-hmm. they made that shit look pretty real from what I remember. So I would think in 2014 you could pull something off like that. But I don't know. I'm not a yeah, thermal not a imaging of, expert. Know, it's not a matter of not being able to pull it off. It's a matter of how long, right, it would right. take. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. That, that's really quickly. what it comes down to, yeah. right? So, and I think that when you look at movies, the longest part is CGI, right? Like, the CGI takes yeah. the longest for every movie. So, you know, it's one thing for people to claim they could do it. We've had tons of people claim it. Early on, we had $2,000 bounties for people to try to recreate it. Maybe that's not enough money. Some people argue, yeah, you know, they say that's not enough money for me to do it, which I'd argue then why did a random person do this? They would have spent, like, the amount of money it would take just to create this and create these videos, people have argued hundreds of thousands of dollars. To create a from, video? From man hours to be able to pull this off. So well, think, depending think about on it from how man hours and, and how skilled you'd have to be. And keep in mind, yeah. there's no visual discrepancies anywhere throughout these videos. Yeah. So they did, it, they did a perfect job as but well. But it could also, again, and this would, and in fairness, this would involve some people with some access to stuff, which would open a whole new can of worms. But well, it, talk it, about that, it yeah. could also have been, the second thing I was referring to a few minutes ago was it, it, it could have been AI. Because, you know, the AI we know now, you know, hey, yay, 2023, ChatGPT came out. They've had this shit forever, bro. This is not new. Who's you know? they in this situation? Well, there's... Because there's gri- no commercially available that's a AI. Gri- well, that, so this is a great, great yeah. question you ask. There's two layers to that. And I don't know the answer because I'm not on the inside as far as mm-hmm. what the difference between the two is. But we can go off of what some other people that have talked on podcasts before about this publicly. I'll leave that one there, and people have talked privately about this as well. You have, whether it be the public companies who have the secret things they're working on that are way ahead, be it at Google and Apple, and then you have the government, which you know on the U.S. side mm-hmm. would be like DARPA or something like that. As an example, I like to cite this a lot. Right now, we don't really have a lot of self-driving cars on the road. It's like – I think it's like still illegal to have a fully self-driving car mm-hmm. unattended or whatever. Yeah. The first time Google that we publicly know about, like this is public, not even private. The first time Google successfully did a self-driving car without issue was in fucking 2006. And that's just yeah. what we know about publicly. So think about what they – and Google was around in 1998 or something like that. So it couldn't have been that far before it for them. But think about other companies that were around, mm-hmm. what they could have had with things like that or things like AI. Like this stuff – Jim DiOrio, one of, the, one of the mentions was on a recent podcast. Jim DiOrio talked about a case where like you know, it was a case that was somewhat – publicly known before 2014 mm-hmm. when he was on the case put it that way i'm trying to be careful how i say this and they, they complete um i don't want to say too much here because it is confidential but basically they solved the case and had to look at their watch and wait for a few days to actually solve the case because if they didn't they would have had to answer questions about the AI that they used to do it, yeah. which was some insane shit. So when I look at stuff like that, I do wonder about a video like this. But to your point, you also like what's the motive and what is the capacity? Those are two mm-hmm. very important things here. You know, if the motive could be – I might have opened a can of worms there with the motive being someone who is on the inside who maybe recreates it for espionage purposes. I don't know. That's a whole mm-hmm. different thing. Or it could be a rando, and if it's a rando, like how long does this take? What did they have access to? 
Fair questions. Yeah, uh, pull up the Top Gun VFX lead uh, image as well, because now I can't corroborate this, but this was posted on Reddit as well in, in the early investigation. You want to read it? Um, yeah, let me pull it up on my screen so I can read it a little better. So it says, I was a VFX artist on Top Gun Maverick. I worked on it for two years, uh, more than 1,000 VFX shots. If this is CGI, whoever made it front, run all the, front ran all the work we did by about four years and did a better job than us, apparently. One of the biggest advantages we had was to cheat the speed of the jets and the scale through different shots for cinematic effect. Even in the Dark Star sequence, the actual speed of the 3D model was moving through our environment wasn't anything close to Mach 10. Whoever made this animation, quote-unquote, made sure that the speed and the scale is accurate between the two cameras, which would mean that it's animated and scaled to the real-world speed. And then they essentially say they don't know whether or not this is real, but it would take a considerable amount of effort. The camera and distortion and the rolling shutter, etc., would all have to be recreated. The clouds and the lighting look to be correct based on the visible light rays. The trails following the orbs, which we've actually shown are in front of the orbs, are also accurate, and everything in the scene seems to be physically correct. So the only thing that they cast out on is why is this drone following a passenger plane, which we've shown has actually probably intercepted it and most likely was not catching up to it because the drone cannot. So I find that pretty compelling and something that could be verified. You could find that person and Top Gun Maverick and confirm that that person's real. But everything they say seems to be, um, to seems like it would check out from a common sense perspective. And, you know, just to add some more things in here, because I was about to get into that. So we have those realistic volumetric clouds, which they said would be accurate. How to accurately illuminate the, or how to accurately animate the cameras. Because we can see as well in the drone, it's not, man, it's not automatically tracking that. And those mm. FLIR footages that we have from the DOD, it looks like they're doing automatic tracking. This was manually tracking. The plane goes out of the scene in the thermal as well, and then it comes back into the scene, which is unusual because if you're faking a video, why do you have the plane going out of the scene and then coming back in, right? That seems like something that's very natural in terms of somebody who's following the plane. How, to, how these clouds form at low altitudes, you have to know a lot about clouds, that you have these cumulus clouds that are forming at these low altitudes. And you said that what altitudes was that again? Between 1,000 and 5,000 yeah. feet, yeah. yeah. And then how to accurately illuminate those clouds. Because remember, we looked at that picture where the zap is accurately illuminating the clouds in the foreground and the background. We have to recreate exactly what MH370 looks like. Again, it was a perfect overlay on the thermal. You have to know what that turn radius is for a Boeing 777 at the certain altitude while in descent. Because people have looked at that and it actually maxes out the capabilities. You have to know where that plane was at that exact time where we've shown that it's at the Nicobar Islands at 1840 UTC how to accurately um, coordinate, uh, do the coordinate shifts that we see in the bottom left relative to that location. Because what we see when the mouse moves is those coordinates move to like eight different degrees or eight different decimals, I apologize. And so you can see the decimal places eight different times. That's a very high degree of accuracy in terms of you're like going over Google Earth and, um, you know, kind of showing where those coordinates might be and to animate them correctly. Because that whole coordinate would have to be a separate system, software that they build in and then put into the hoax video as well. And that's because you're not copying from anything else. You have to create it originally. So you have to know what the weather looks like. We were actually able to show that the weather has these... Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, so we looked at the weather on the NASA satellites, and within one hour, it has these low-altitude clouds or formations potentially in there. Do you have a screenshot of that? I'll if you don't, no problem. We Wait. have one somewhere. I think I uploaded it. I'm just not 100% sure. I'll look at that here in a second while you're talking. Okay. Um, 
And again, I, I said mm-hmm. this on the last podcast, but anyone in the comment section who wants to, I mean, this is what we're doing. We're crowdsourcing this stuff, just like, I mean, that's where Ashley oh, came into this. So weather pressure time lapse. Things, pull that one up. Weather pressure time I did put lapse. it in there. Okay. Um, how to accurately create the smoke trail. Wait, this is it right here? Yeah. And so I think it should be like a video thing. Yeah, it's a GIF. Yeah, so you see right there, look GIF. at that. There are they're your clouds. So what you, am I looking at? I so these see. are weather pressure. And so this, what we see there in the red, I believe, is only things that form at low altitudes. Below, I believe it's uh, like 3,000 feet or something like that. So this is these are... What coordinates am I looking at here? The coordinate that the, where the dot is, is our coordinates in our videos here. So we're looking at the Nicobar Islands right here. Okay, so how far up, like mm-hmm. what's the bird's eye view? How, how much can I see? Like left to right on the screen, how many miles yeah. is that? I think over the hundred? right, you can see Malaysia. So it's, uh, it's yeah, like yeah, 500 least, miles yeah. or something like that, maybe even longer. Or that's probably Thailand over to the east over there. Okay. And there's a whole uh, Reddit post about this where this is just one of the gra- g- GIFs I pulled from it. Um, and so essentially that one right there, that shot you see right there, shows that there's these very low altitude clouds yeah. similar to what we would see. Because people cast doubt on that as well, but even that seems to check out. Um, you have to accurately know how to accurately create the smoke trails um, using particles in two different videos. What the thermal looks like at a level that would fool the experts. Um, it's That's extremely the one detailed. Video. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Knowledge of military classified systems that were previously unknown to the public, especially the satellite. Right now, with respect to the thermal, you might be able to argue that. Wait, the satellite was unknown to the public. Yeah, there was like even now. I mean, people have a hard 22 time. Twenty two was unknown. No, no, no. There's just like the fact that there's even satellite video at all, right? Like, I don't think people even realize that we could have spy satellite video like that. The only that things was that are unknown? ever leaked. Uh, Christ, Bush was blowing up people and drones in drones and fucking 07. <laughs> yeah, but I think that we've known that it was images, right? Like, this, the Trump image is just a still image. Yeah. But there's never been proof that we have this video, other than the fact that you can look at that cyber system and tell they're scanning. But it doesn't prove that there's any video capability. Um,. You'd have to know that the military is using a Citrix environment, which you could probably speculate as to that. I mean, a lot of businesses do use it. You would have to be able to know to capture that frame rate difference in the mouse that we were talking about with respect to the background, 24 frames per second over 6 frames per second, which well, I if, find yeah. really unusual. Yeah, if you had a Citrix, though, you could do that pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you are on, actually you using on, a Citrix. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah if you put yeah, it on yeah. Citrix, that's not that hard. Or something, um, something like it, something that had similar behaviors. Yeah. And then what type of mouse they're using, or again, this is using this mouse where the mouse doesn't update the coordinates, but then they're doing some other analog control, and there's actually a different acceleration when they do that as well. So it's almost like they're using a trackball, or they're using a lock and click, or they're using a second analog. Well, there's there's a thing, I don't know if, if this is it, but I don't even know how to control it. With my mouse, mm-hmm. if you move it in a certain way, it'll mm-hmm. suddenly get big and then move across the screen, screen. so maybe it's something like that. Could be something like that, yeah, yeah. but it, whatever it is, it's different than whatever the standard mouse that we see moving around the screen is using. Okay. Um, you'd have to know what satellites the U.S. has in operation, what their payloads is, assuming that what we're seeing is 3D stereoscopic. Uh, you have to know what. What false... do you mean by what do you mean by their payloads? So, in terms of uh, them having this IR capability, false color IR, the fact that you would have two satellites that can actually take video. A lot of people weren't sure if, like, can the NOS o- naval, uh, naval ocean surveillance satellites NOS, which is what these USA two to nine is, you know, do they even have IR capabilities like this to be able to do this? Mm. All this stuff is classified in terms of what capabilities these satellites even have on them. How did you find out that all this? I mean, this is so much information. Like, how did you find out what's classified, what's not? 
A lot of it's just deduction for the most part, right? And mm-hmm. if you go to Wikipedia and Google a lot of this stuff, like you see some information. Sometimes it'll tell you if they have a SIGINT payload or not. But the rest of it is just mostly classified. Even the second satellite, if you go to Wikipedia, it just says debris. They're like there's a first one that says USA 229. The second one just says debris. It's like officially classified as debris, but amateur astronomers can look up and be like, oh, there's two satellites there, right? Mm. Um, so some of it's deduction. Some of it's just looking and people are able to figure it out. Which is kind of amazing to me. This is this little side point? Is like how much information we can deduce from just two videos? To me, also adds credibility to their authenticity. Like, I, how could we really deduce all this information if these videos were fake? If so, it would have to be like what you pointed out. You know, the psyop angle. This was created by some entity that is trying to throw people off or trying to cast blame somewhere else. Which we'll go into in just a sec. Uh, you have to know what the false color IR looks like. Now, the reason why we're certain this is false color IR is, first of all, the time, middle of the night. The zap in the satellite video is white instead of black, even though we can tell from the thermal that it's a cold event. It's an endothermic event. We can also tell that the clouds have more IR radiation at the top, which is why they're brighter at the top. And it's more white. Uh, so you'd have to know what that looks like as well. And again, how to create the 3D stereoscopic imagery in general. You'd have to be able to recreate that. Um, how to animate the orbs in terms of how they're flowing around. They actually warp a little bit as they flow, which seems to indicate that what we're looking at is a field around a smaller object. How to create the particle system for that orb's forward-facing engine. We see with those black lines where they're, they're kind of on train tracks almost is what it looks like. You'd have to know how to create that. Wait, you, the, what was the front part of that, the particle? I call it a particle system, but you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in terms of what we really think it is, but the idea here is that they have their monopoles are rotating and you can actually see a heat signature in part of the orb. And that mm. part facing forward is what's shooting out that black line as Got they it. follow it, right? Okay. Which is really interesting. So you'd have to know how to create that, which I don't think I've seen anything that even looks like that. So somebody's either just a creative genius um, or the videos are just real. Uh, what MQ1C drone looks like, I'm not sure people even knew if that was even public knowledge in 2014. And what the payload is, because we can see the video, we can see the camera with the camera housing right over the top of it in that video. You'd have to know where that payload is to get the exact camera angle that we see, because we can even see the nose of the drone in that one. You'd have to have a better understanding of physics than most PhDs. Uh, what we found is that a lot of PhDs don't even understand the physics that is potentially at play here. And most of the people that I've talked to that seem to understand it better aren't even PhDs in general which is kind of interesting. They're mostly people that are really dedicated to finding out how green energy might work, people that are dedicated to being you know, theoretical physicists that may not even have PhDs that just dig into it a lot. And then you'd also have to know how not to use a 2D visual effect. We'll go into some of the debunks, but one of the main debunks uses a 2D low-quality video game effect to try to claim that it's in our videos. But the problem is we would need a 3D rendered environment. Mm. So it doesn't make any sense to use a 2D effect in a 3D environment. Real quick to all my Discord people out there, the Julian Dory Discord is officially live. I put the link down in the description below. So go hit that, join the community, and say what's up. There's all kinds of features in there, and I look forward to hearing from you guys. Let's get it popping. And lastly, one of the most interesting ones is that we would have to know, if you're the hoaxer, that we're not going to find the plane ever, not even nine years later. Because the moment we find a plane here, this whole hoax narrative would break down, right? And so this kind of goes back to what you were mentioning. You know, now it starts but to what seem if like, they do, and it just was some fun along the way, if they do find the plane, I don't think they're going to find the plane, to be clear. But yeah. what if they did? 
Yeah, so that they did like now, whatever you did, like, yeah, fun. it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, this is a lot of work to be just messing around, right? I think you just presented the argument this would have to either be the government or some a company that's for some reason dedicated to creating this. Unless it's, it's not really very, just an very, individual person. Unless Jeff over at Marvel, who <laughs> yeah. obviously is a real guy, that's yep. interesting, and, and presented it to someone who was willing to share it publicly. Unless he's wrong about that, and this is easy to make, which we're gonna we're gonna talk to our friend and see see about that. I can't but, wait to see their work yeah, about that because yeah. I think that Me looking too. at this list here, they've got a lot of things to take into account, and they're gonna have to explain it. Because part of it too is that yeah, they have to be copying to something it. that's already out there is a completely different effort than making something from scratch. But if you make it from scratch, according to here's the one counterpoint to that, they had. If they had something in the flight pattern in the earliest day of that investigation and this was actually easy to make, then they could do it. But if you just made it from scratch and then it happened to actually match what it was and it was not easy to make, that's a different argument, which is possible. you know. And that would point to some truth to these videos if that's the case. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think a lot of things we put on here as well are things that there's no basis for, like the forward-facing particle engine – why you would make the zap dark to begin with. If you're faking this video, I would fake it as a explosion, right? And I would say, oh, the plane blew up over here. I wouldn't say, oh, the plane disappeared off the face of the earth. And there, as far as I know, there's no basis to even create an endothermic event like we see. As we'll dig into the science for it too, you know, the science is all going to end up checking out, I think, at least maybe in, you know, as science improves. I don't think today a lot of the science that we're going to talk about here is public information. But as we move forward, I think all of this will get validated as well as being accurate. Well, are you ready to go to science right now? I think we're pretty close here. I, okay. If we can pull up the thermal again one more time, I just want to okay. make sure we hit all the key points around the orbs. I mean, we did talk through quite a few of them just now. So, yeah, if you just pull up the thermal HD, um, we think that they are using superconductivity here to reduce their mass in order to obtain quantum properties that allow them to ignore gravity. A lot of people would say that these orbs, um, that it's impossible to ignore gravity. But if you reduce your mass to zero, then you completely disconnect yourself from the physical world. And at that point, then you can essentially ignore gravity, which seems like it would be necessary because the forward-facing engines that we see, these particle engines that we see from these orbs, uh, is not enough for them to just be ignoring gravity and not be falling. That's only enough for them to be moving forward. They seem to be creating their own geodesics, which isn't a fancy word for gravity, via potentially accelerated vibration using a pulse current. That's wait, our current wait, wait, understanding. Wait. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, Like I'm a fifth grader. <laughs> yeah, so accelerated vibration here is that essentially they are able to break the fabric of space-time there and create their own gravity. And if they continue to use a pulse current, it's kind of like me hammering on something and eventually breaking through it, you know? And you keep doing that, it's almost like you're jumping on a trampoline, and every time you jump on it, you get a little bit higher. Think of it like that. So you keep bouncing on it, you keep breaking it, and then you break through. And now you've created your own gravity that you're moving forward. That's what we think is happening there, potentially using a laser. But again, a, a lot of this stuff laser is, beam. A lot of this is very difficult in terms of being able to reverse engineer this just from watching the videos. Uh, the dark lines are in front of the orbs. We already mentioned that. No known visual, visual propulsion mechanisms. Like nothing's you know, shooting from behind them. Everything that we have would indicate that we would need something from behind, potentially even, you know chemical reaction, and we don't see any of that here. These dark, cold lines might be changing the pressure of the atmosphere, and that's why we see them as dark, cold lines. In fact, it may even be possible you would see, like, an actual cloud kind of being formed when these things are moving along through the sky. 
the heat signatures of the orbs are actually spinning on their axis. So you can tell that as well when they're kind of following these train tracks. Um, and we call that the monopole, which is the direction of travel of the actual orb where um, these pulse might be coming from. The orb patterns encircle the plane over time in a sphere. This has been modeled as well. So it looks like what's happening here is they're either mapping the plane, tracking the plane, preparing the plane for what's going to happen in our zap there, or some combination of all of the above. The orb pattern actually changes halfway through and becomes a vertical ring spinning around the plane. So this, again, indicates that there's some intent and pattern here. And when they start to spin around the plane from a vertical perspective, almost like a ring, it seems as though they're preparing it for this zap that's about to happen right afterwards. Hmm. As the zap happens, the orbs actually converge on the plane their monopoles actually turn and face directly towards the plane in the triangle formation. So it indicates that this forward engine all of a sudden is converging on the plane as if they're pointing all of those pulse accelerators right at the, at the plane to induce what we see as this zap. Now, you're explaining what we're seeing here on yeah. this video, obviously, but you're doing it in a very high-level mm -hmm. scientific way with some big words and terminology. <laughs> yeah. And as you laid out, that's not necessarily your background. So yeah. how did you... Good question. Yeah, how did you get all this together? Well, okay, so one more thing, and then I'll jump into that. Okay. So the last thing we see is that right before the orbs... Uh, if you can go back to that slow-mo version, right? Like, yeah, like near the end there. Um, that part's fine as well. And we, and we can just kind of watch it go forward. The orbs actually bend right before the zap happens. And it looks like gravitational lensing is happening where they kind of flatten. In the same way, if you were to look at a star that's behind a black hole, it kind of bends around the black hole. Mm. Uh, it looks like that. And that's what you'll see right here is you'll see them converge. You'll see the monopoles direct towards the middle. And then all of a sudden they flatten in the last frame. And then our zap happens. And then everything disappears simultaneously after our zap occurs so where I've kind of gotten a lot of this information is that I've been getting tutored by several people who are very intelligent, um, theoretical physicists in my DMs talking through advanced theories that theoretically are not publicly available in public knowledge right now. Have we verified these people that they're theoretical physicists? Yeah, they're real people that we can follow into. Uh, I don't really want to say their names on this particular chat. But you've reviewed it. Yeah, but and we reviewed it. And they have, yeah, and I'll show you off camera. They've got interviews that they have been you know, interviewed by other people that indicate their theories. Their theories are out there and open to the public. One of those theories is called dilation theory, which would indicate that time is a fluid symmetry. And that when we look out there, and this is supported by science, is that really all we need to explain everything out there and to unify quanta and macro is to understand time and understand that time flows differently based on how much mass is out there, which is time dilation, which if you watch the movie Interstellar, you know that that's real. You know, Matthew McConaughey goes on his uh, planet out there that is near the black hole, away from the space station, and he goes out there and time slows down for them. So there's more mass, so time slows down. They stay there for an hour. They come back to where the space station is, where time is flowing faster, yep. and 20 years have gone by yes. for that person, right? Now, I do believe, yeah. and, and let me highlight and underline the word believe here, <laughs> that even if it's not necessarily quite something like that, there mm -hmm. will be a point, perhaps not in my lifetime, where we do prove things about uh, the realms of physical possibilities like this, including bending time that yeah. you know gives us a whole new understanding on the world. But technically, at least from anything publicly available in any way, that is not something that at the moment is more than something put in 
to fantasy like an interstellar, no? No, time dilation's real, and it's been proven many times over. How, fact, how yeah. has it been... So yeah. when you say time dilation, to be clear, you're talking yeah. about quite literally like the plot of Interstellar yes. where, okay. That's that's real, 100% real. And it's been Why proven. do you say it's 100% real and proven? Yep, because the I, I just, tests have been conducted, and the way they did it was they took clocks, and they put them on airplanes and had them fly around the world. And when the clocks came back, they were out of sync. So how does that happen? Time flows differently for the different airplanes based on how far away they are from the planet. What do you mean they were out of sync? It means that... Exactly what it sounds like. You have clocks that are perfectly in sync, and the ones that are closer to the planet have different time dilation than the ones that are further away due to the less amount of mass in the same really? exact They've way. They've done this? 100%. You can Google can it if you want. Can we look this up? Yeah. So let's look up. Time dilation is real. Time dilation clocks experiment Yep. orbit. Yeah, check it out. It's really important because I didn't know this was real until I saw the movie Interstellar. And I ended up looking to it. And this was, of course, before these movies or before these videos. The Herfleet Keeling? Is that it? Herfleet Keeling? Yeah, probably. Yep. That's ironic that it's called Keating because I was just going to bring up Brian Keating. All right, click that. Yeah. Let's see what this is. The Halfleet Keating experiment was a test of the theory of relativity in 1971. Joseph C. Halfley, a physicist, and Richard E. Keating, an astronomer, took four casium based atomic clocks aboard commercial airliners. They flew twice around the world. For, no shit, Ashton. Good, good shit, mm-hmm. man. First eastward, then westward, and compared the clocks against others that remained at the United States Naval Observatory. When reunited, the three sets of clocks were found to disagree with one another, and their difference was consistent with the predictions of special, general rel- special and general relativity. Go down, Alessi. Go past results. Go, to histori- uh, go, to, go past repetitions. I just want to see what's on this page. Similar experiments with... Wow, so it doesn't even say like controversy or something. No, there's anywhere. no controversy. It's just straight up real, and that's I blew me away after I watched Interstellar, and that's part wow. of like when when these physicists are talking to me and telling me that hey, you know, you can explain everything with dilation, time dilation. We don't need like even gravity. Gravity is just a property of mass on space time, and and time dilation and time moving forward, we can explain everything. That's when my mind starts getting really blown because first of all. Why are these people in my DMs explaining this other than the fact they're looking at these videos and going, right. this proves my theories? What, what about astronauts, though, going into space who are keeping time and the time stays the same? How does that get explained? No, it probably doesn't. So time dilation has Do to be taken into that, effect. Um, I mean, that's pretty well, good right there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's a good. That experiment, what you said, yeah. that is exactly what that I mean, is. Time so dilation be clear has to be that, taken into effect even with satellites flowing around the Earth, right? So all of this has to be taken into account. Otherwise, your satellite is going to fall and crash into the Earth. Because I, I just had Brian Keating in here, and I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. We may turn this one around, like, right away, so he may be coming in after. But he's yeah. he is a physicist from California who his first book was actually written. It was called Losing the Nobel Prize. <laughs> and it's it's an amazing thing. Like, he's such a great guy and yeah. so smart. And, like, so it like that guy eats, breathes, and shit science. He loves this stuff. But he has such a good attitude on, on how – what happened with his like life's work but they were working on this thing he and several other scientists called bicep Mm -hmm. and it was like a 15-year process from start to when it ended unceremoniously but what they were looking for was proof and if i fuck this up please (laughs) forgive me and fix it in the comments because there are scientific terms here but they were looking for proof that the universe is inflationary and they were at the south pole measuring i'll keep it very high level basically like different Mm -hmm. 
different light forms to prove this. And what they thought they were seeing was proof for that, which the way he then explained it to me was that actually if they prove that the universe is inflationary, it would have to prove that there is in fact a multiverse, which gets mm -hmm. into certainly yeah. way big powers of time dilation. Now it turns mm -hmm. out that on this experiment doesn't mean it's going to end up not being the case, but their experiment didn't work because they realized one moment, 15 years in, that the, I guess, like the light source that they were observing was actually like universe dust yeah. and it distorted everything. So it was a huge, like, I can't even imagine putting my heart and soul into something for 15 years and then finding that out. But it goes, to, like, they're looking at this. Like, yeah. there, there's real, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, and the science just gets even more amazing the more we look at it. You know, so one name I will drop is Salvatore Pius. I interviewed him last week. He was very yeah, interested. Yeah, tell me about this guy. Yeah, so he is the person who is uh, notorious and famous out there for patents that appear to be components to UFOs, UAPs. And he is, you know, and as someone who's in the middle of this kind of stuff, there he has his fans and his detractors. Yeah, and he's got a theory called the Superforce, which I read through. And interestingly enough, it lined up a lot with this time, di this dilation theory. Um, and actually, I'll go ahead and just say the name. So the person who's interested in time or who's thrown out, uh, th proposed dilation theory, his name is Roy D. Herbert. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, he's got a lot of prominent people who follow him, which is very interesting. He's and the one who threw out the theory for this? He proposed the, the dilation theory, which for essentially this. removes gravity from the equation. For this, for this video. Um, of MH370. No, so he, he hasn't taken any opinion on the MH370 videos. Okay. Um, but, you know, he has been helping tutor me in terms of what really, how physics really operates from a theoretical perspective and helped me to understand how time dilation can play even a bigger role than what, just what we see in the videos. And then it can explain potentially everything that we need in order to unify quanta and macro. Now, Salvatore Pius reached out to me, or actually, I reached out to him uh, after on a request. People said, hey, you should ask Salvatore Pius about these videos. Can we pull this guy's bio up, Alessi? Yeah. I just want to read this because it, it's, in, it's interesting. It's really I, interesting. I have yeah. a... Uh... And I've known about him from, I think it was 2018 when these patents came out. I found his patents to be very credible because even as someone like me or you who doesn't necessarily know that much about science, I looked yeah. at it and I could kind of understand what it was getting at. Right. So it says, Salvatore Pius is an American aerospace engineer and inventor currently working for the United States Space Force. Currently working for the United States Space Force. That's interesting. He formerly worked at the Naval Air Station yeah. Patuxent River. His patent applications for the U.S. Navy attracted attention for their potential energy-producing applications, but also doubt about their feasibility and speculations that they may be scams, pseudoscience, or disinformation intended to mislead the United States adversaries. I'm not going to – you can check yeah. out his Wikipedia page. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but essentially, like, this guy is looking into shit where – I guess it could end up being a mix where some of it's bullshit and he knows it and some of it might actually be real because he's a smart guy or it could be an everything or nothing. Like he's actually looking at shit that's crazy and they're trying to say it's not crazy because they don't want people to know about it or he's just straight up a kook. You yeah, know, you go to my YouTube channel because he uh, adamantly disagrees with the characterization in the Wikipedia. I think that a lot of people a question of people whether do. or not Wikipedia yeah. is really accurate. Um, what I can say is that he fully believes in his uh, patents and that these aren't patents that were just thrown out there for make-believe stuff. That's not how patents work at all. Um, you do have to prove them. He had to go through a very rigorous process and, in fact, had to have the Navy essentially step in and say, mm. yes, no, these are legit. You you know, should approve these. And that's how three of the five patents did get approved, and two of them I did not, as far as my understanding. Um, 
And so I chatted with him and he was very interested to reach out to me and do an interview with me, despite the fact that I hadn't interviewed anybody before that. So I guess now I'm becoming an interviewer, but I gleaned a little bit of information from that too. Like, why is this guy so interested, right? He must be, must have thought something in these videos is uh, interesting, right? To, to take a look at. So actually he doesn't work it's for Space Force either. At least he told me that he still works for the Navy. So um, that's Uh-oh. also, you'll see Uh-oh. that in my interview. So I don't know if the Wikipedia is just incorrect there. Could be. Or what the situation is. Um, and interesting enough, though, his super force theory attempts to unify all the four forces as well, including mm. gravity, and essentially calls it the Planck force. It's the same as the Planck force. Ultimately, what it means is a unification of quanta and macro, the same way that Roy D. Herbert's theory of, time, of dilation theory unifies quanta and macro. Mm-hmm. It essentially says there's no difference between something that's very large and something that's very small. All we have to do is have a phase change, which will allow something very large, macro size, to obtain the properties of quanta. And if that's possible, now we can start doing things that are equivalent to magic. So real quick, I'll go into a side conversation about the double slit experiment, which is the greatest mystery in physics. Yeah, I'm biting my tongue so hard right now. Keep going. <laughs> the greatest mystery in physics of the double slit experiment is if we try to shoot a photon or a piece of matter, in this case, we use it as a photon, through one of two slits and detect, okay, which slit did it go through? We find that it creates a wave pattern. There's a wave pattern that gets created which means we can't tell which one it goes through. Almost like it's going through both, like if you were to send a water, a wave of water through it. Now, if we say, okay, that's odd. We sent one photon. How can it do that? And we observe it. Then the wave function breaks down. Instead, you just get two slits on the detector. But that's odd. How can that be if, you know, we sent it through and all of a sudden it's reacting to us observing it? Mm. It almost is like the universe is knowledgeable, aware of itself. And they've found that even if you take light from billions of light years away, and you have it go through this uh, the, the, the slits, it's still the wave function breaks down, which that's really weird because that light left mil- billions of years ago, and it still breaks down retrospectively all the way back to its, origi- its origin. So this is what's brought up non-locality, quantum entanglement. Quantum computing is even based off of this as well. Yeah, we, quantum computing is so... Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I had Michukaku. I mean, he talked about yeah. a bunch of things, but when I had Michukaku in here... It was around his new book back in May when when he was coming out with the theories on quantum. And mm-hmm. it's just so like a lot of it's so speculative still. But we can prove in yeah. the atmosphere that there are things like photosynthesis that exist that are representations of what the power of quantum is. And mm-hmm. putting therefore putting it into computing is perfectly reasonable, I think. Yeah. Whether or not we're there yet, though... You know, that a lot of people question that. I tend to think we are. Google says quant- they have a quantum computer, right? People have talked about it and reference it all the time. And I keep right, wondering, like, what does the, that mean, right? It depends like, the level, though. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I'm with you on that. From what I've seen here now, and especially looking at the, the videos, right, with the patterns of the orbs, makes me wonder, does the government already have quantum computers? Because imagine how much processing those orbs would have to do, right? Yeah. So um, now the thing about that is that... It, that allows for quantum teleportation. The Chinese, I think, have the record, at least publicly, for how far you can teleport information, which is, okay, if we entangle two uh, particles, whatever atoms that they are, if you change the spin on one, we can instantaneously gain information like a far distance away. Wait, what do you mean the Chinese have demonstrated? We can Google it and take a look at quantum teleportation in Chinese. Um, and you'll see that they have, I don't know if they lead, but they have proven quantum teleportation to be real, which means... Not of people. No, but of information. 
yeah. but at the quantum level, right? Then if there is no difference between quantum and macro, now you open the door up to, okay, you not only can we teleport information, but we can teleport macro scale objects. What does that mean though? Because like if mm-hmm. I'm sitting right here and I hit the enter button on a YouTube video, it's immediately available in fucking China yeah. or well, maybe not China, but, but it's not, it actually know, has to, like, it has to adhere to the speed of light in that situation. So you're saying that they've knocked out the speed of light yep. to move. That's what quantum teleportation is, is that you can teleport information faster than the speed of light. So what, well, yeah. you could probably do a few things with that. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Right. And then yeah. the question there is, and this not is cool. Not, they got it, but <laughs> I'm sure we have it too, I think based on these yeah. videos, but this isn't Star Trek teleportation. We're not breaking something down and rebuilding it. What they're doing is that changing something that's very far away instantaneously allows information somewhere else. Maybe the spins are tied together. So, you know, think of it like a, a large, long pole. And if I turn that pole, now I instantly, this side of it also changes at the same time. So it's irrespective oh, of distance, yeah. right? Now, that's not really a great analogy, but that's kind of the idea behind oh, quantum entanglement, right? Um, so really what this is going to get down to here in a second of this science is that we can allow macro scale objects, solid state objects, which right now when they, this science is just kind of emerging and they're doing it with plasmas and they are able to have these plasmas become what they call Bose-Einstein condensate, which what this boils down to, and this is really, really recent, is converting fermions to bosons. So like this cup that we see right here in front of us is made up of fermions. And what that means is it's solid right? It means that all of the, the atoms in it have to take up a different space and time. A boson doesn't have that requirement. Bosons can collapse down onto a single point, And that's how a laser works, is that you have a laser that is focused photons onto a single point. Mm. Now, they've shown that under the right conditions, certain elements, lithium-6 is one of these elements. You know, we had lithium batteries on this plane, just, I don't know if that's connected, but it's interesting. Lithium-6 can also convert from bosons to, or from, from fermions to bosons if they get super cooled. Interestingly enough, our thermal shows a very cool event happening as well. And if that happens now, you can have something potentially collapse down, and now it can obtain the, quanta, the properties of quantum. And, which, this, and technically, and you have to say this, mm-hmm. this is all hypothetical based on what we believe the properties of no, quantum this is actually would... science has been proven now that I'm but talking about. But how is about. it proven if we have it? In scientific now, papers, yeah. May, yeah, but maybe it's been proven underground by governments or some of the tech companies and we don't know about it. How has it been proven like publicly? Because we no, have to deal with what we're uh, dealing yeah, with. I'm talking about real scientific papers that are out there. So Yeah, but it's, that's that's mm-hmm. not proof. That's that, that – I think experiments paper... are proof. Yeah. Scientific so you're experiments. Saying I'm talking about literal scientific experiments. The, the stuff I'm talking about right now is scientific experiments that are proven. It's going to lead into the next step, which is the part that's not been proven, not publicly available. So what I just explained to you just is almost like maybe less than two weeks old. If you look up Anton's uh, YouTube account, he's got a YouTube account with like 2 million million subscribers on it. Um, This is where I made a Twitter post about it in general, where these fermions can be converted to bosons and back into fermions again. How do you spell Anton? Yeah, Anton what? A-N-T-O-N. I'll have to look up his last name. There's a lot of yeah, yeah, if you look up Anton YouTube, he's going to be near the top. Yeah, go to YouTube and type in Anton. How many yeah. subs does that have? Two million almost, I think. No, no, but the one oh. unless he's looking at. Oh. Anton Petrov? Yeah, that's him. Okay. All right, so what are we looking for here? So he has one from like about probably a week ago where he mentions the fermions, some scientific papers go that show fermions and uh, fermions and bo- converting to bosons and back. So he does a lot of videos, Just actually. point out which one it is because we can't play uh, yeah, it because it will be I'm copyrighted. Looking. But... 
Yeah, yeah. But it, so one of these in here from probably about a week ago. I'm looking through them as you dig through them here. Multiverse is actually real. Oh, it was the one right before that. Or groundbreaking quantum effects. Yeah, that might be one of one of them. I think. But anyway, so he digs into a lot of the most cutting-edge science. I didn't realize he puts out so many videos. Um, and I, I put a link to it in one of my YouTube uh, or one of my Twitter posts as well. But essentially, he shows that this science is already out there. And all of this is going to come down to Bose-Einstein condensates, which are essentially allowing uh, matter to convert to the quantum properties as we understand it. And then it can do things that we would essentially deem as magic, similar to the, um, the double-slit experiment. So going back, though, now to Salvatore Pius, you know, and this is from my interview with him. And some of this now is I, I don't know if it's speculative or, you know, actually based on scientific papers that are really out there. He argues that room temperature superconductivity can be obtained both by metamaterials, as we would think of as LK99, mm-hmm. but also by repeated pulse vibrations from transducers. Well, metamaterials are also the, as a refresher, they're the, yeah. they're the science of potential invisibility, yeah, which is quite interesting mm-hmm. if related to what we're talking about i don't know yet yeah but keep the, going. the metamaterials is anything that hit any element that is not is it has a rare properties that doesn't naturally occur from the individual element so combining multiple elements together the way the invisibility works is that you can change the atoms uh or elements at by atom by atom and then create brand new properties it's like Mitchell would say the metamaterials <laughs> guy gets me so excited about science so right. the AI explains the pattern that we see in the videos. The orbs are probably not solid, but a field that's being produced, potentially where superconductivity is at play, creating f- this field. So define the field again, just yeah. so I can visualize that. Yeah, so if there's probably something smaller inside there that is maybe like, let's say it's a spinning room temperature superconductor, and it's creating a field that's allowing that whatever that smaller mass is to get us, uh, become itself also a state of quantum where now it, can, it has zero mass and can ignore gravity. Have you, I, I mean, this is probably a dumb question. You, you mm-hmm. probably are going to say yes right away, but have you seen the testimony of, like, David Fravor? Yeah, yeah, I've okay. seen it. And when okay. he says it's spinning, the shaking um, tic-tac, he said, it was, like, over the water and it was vibrating. Yes. I thought that was very interesting when I was talking to Salvatore Pius because he's argued there was two different ways that you could achieve uh, this quantum state. When one of them is by spinning the electrons or neutrons, I'm going to say the wrong thing here, very fast. But the other way is by having them just vibrate. I think it's electrons. Is it electrons? I think it's electrons. I think it is. Yeah. But so either have them spin very fast or just have them vibrate. And apparently vibration is the easier way to do it. And this also plays into quantum computing. See, I think David's testimony has been so impressive because he's so mm-hmm. matter-of-fact about shit. Look, yeah. listen, this is what it is. Here's the video of what I saw. Yada, yada, yada. Do, do what you will with it. But I've always thought that that's probably high-level tech. Versus, I've never, never sat there and said, you know what, it could be an alien. And that that yeah. doesn't mean anything. I'm just an asshole looking at it at home. But it feel this is different. Yeah. Obviously, this is a unique kind of thing. But some of the themes, as a layman sitting here watching it and then thinking about it, sound similar. Not saying, you know, they're clearly mm-hmm. different, but, like, there's some themes that sound oh, similar. Definitely. And I had the same thought as well. And I think David Fravor is somebody who I think has a high level of credibility. Um, I just, do, too. You know, from his background and from too. hearing him speak. And if you want to pull back the satellite video up one more time just while I'm going through this so people can kind of see along while I'm talking about it. 
Um, no, no, get the stereoscopic. And Bob Greenier, actually, right after I did my interview with Salvatore Pius, he is somebody who's a green energy researcher, very interested in advanced theoretical concepts, or physical concept, physics concepts, uh, put a piece out there called uh, fractal, uh, fractal Toroidal Mo- Moments. And one thing that he argued is that combined or the combined orb uh, toroidal movement can theoretically cohere electrons. And this is a pretty interesting concept because when electrons are deli- driven from their equilibrium, they begin to self-organize into a matter wave. And this then allows potentially, hypothetically, and this is hypothetical, of course, solid state objects may be able to then achieve macroscopic quantum coherence. So essentially what you're doing there is you're turning a solid object into an atom that has electrons flowing around it. And it's not just one atom. Now you're taking all these atoms, you're breaking them apart, having them get outside of their comfort zone, so to think of it. Mm. And then when you achieve the right state, potentially under very cold temperatures, they will now begin to organize automatically. And when they achieve this level of organization, now theoretically you can take a solid, maybe even a 777, and you can turn it into a giant atom that acts like a quantum uh, like something that's very small in quantum. And this is where you need that unification of quantum, something that's very tiny and macroscopic, to something that's, uh, sorry, microscopic to something that's macroscopic. Uh, interestingly enough, when these orbs converge and their monopoles all turn and directly face towards the plane at the last moment there, they make their own azimuth as well, which is essentially like the uh, like circle kind of around it, which we would think of as potentially like a bubble almost. Hmm. At least that's according to him, as they collapse on the plane. And then you could watch his, I would definitely recommend for people who are interested, watch his uh, fractal toroidal moments piece on it, because he goes in-depth into the science on it. In fact, I may be setting up an interview with him because I want to know more about it as well. The orbs are inducing a transitional phase state change in the plane. So we know that there are laws of equivalent exchange in alchemy. You can't get rid of something without replacing it with something else. With respect to the laws of thermodynamics, nothing's ever created nor destroyed. Yes. Interestingly enough, when we watch this zap go off, the clouds don't really move that much. Nothing. There's not a lot of background change. Right. Yeah. So you see there's very little change that happens right there with that, right? This would indicate that what we're looking at is not a black hole. If it's a black hole, you're going to see stuff getting sucked in. But right? how do we know that? Well, we don't necessarily know, but yeah. black holes you know, have a huge amount of gravitational force. These physics experts have told me if this was a black hole then it would suck in the whole planet based on how big that, that zap is. Because Cause also this is literally in the atmosphere too. Yeah. This is low in the atmosphere. Yeah, pretty low. And like, and At a minimum, I would expect the clouds to get sucked right. in, right? So I don't think we can call it a black hole anymore. And if it's, it could be maybe a portal, we could argue. But again, we're getting down to semantic arguments here. To me, what's really happening is this plane is changing phase states. And that would explain why we don't see a lot of movement in there is that the plane is just simply changing from one state of macro to one state of uh, quantum. And it gets to be a little bit confusing, but essentially what is really happening here is that this quantum state is allowing inertial mass reduction. And this is what's being held from the public, is what I'm told. This is the money shot of the the interview, is that theoretically, or supposedly, there are papers out there held back by Congress for national security purposes. Who's telling you this is being held back? Uh, I can't say specifically, but let's... But let's what, what kind of sources work with uh, Sources that are very advanced in physics, that understand physics. So some of the people you referred to earlier. Um, I can't... Again, I can't speak to that in general just because I don't want to get anybody in the trouble. people you didn't refer to by <laughs> name. But people may have told me that, yes, there is... And, and really, if you look at Salvatore Pius's concept, one of them is inertial mass reduction, one of those patents. Right, and it's for 
a transmedium, uh, you know, ship or what have you. So the idea here would be in order to achieve certain speeds that are required, like David Grush even talks about, yeah. you need to reduce the mass of that object. And this may be one way to accomplish it, is achieve the state of quantum, and now you can reduce that mass of that object so that just like those orbs are moving, they can ignore gravity. But even more so than that, now it can speed up. Potentially time, localized time in that bubble or whatever it is. Do we have an estimation on what kind of speed? Light speeds, potentially even beyond light speeds. And that would explain why the plane disappears. Because there's a frame rate in our videos, right? And this moves faster than the frame rate. What happens... I don't even know if there's an answer to this, but maybe if there is, you've looked at it. What happens in the instance where human beings Mm -hmm. on a plane moving at a normal speed that a human being can handle suddenly encounter light speeds? Does that physically destroy their body and kill them instantly? If there isn't some kind of field protecting protecting them to some degree, and that's where I think Salvatore Pius's inertial mass reduction, where he essentially argues that there would be like two layers that kind of... kind of separate you from the outside, right? That that would then, therefore, from the outside perspective, allows it to move at that speed. But from the inside perspective, you don't get you know, liquefied, essentially. Yeah. But we'll talk about that part in just a second, too, okay. because that's really a question of, could they survive this? And the answer to that is, I'm not sure, right? I'm barely sure about the science at this point. So what I'll say, though, is a few couple things. So let's assume for a second that these orbs are inducing this transitional phase state in the plane by having these electrons cohere around the plane, uh, the next thing would be these low temperatures are theoretically allowing the electrons to couple and move as one. So the low temperature would be the thing that's really causing it. It's why it needs to be a cold event that we see in this video. The fractal toroidal moments create a unification of the forces that induce this phase singularity. And that's why we see them convert, both like rotate and begin to have their monopoles aim all directly at the same time. Mm. To me, this also indicates free energy could be possible. The amount of energy required to do this to a 777 has to be astronomical. So if that's the case, then really, especially with room temperature superconductivity, I think we've opened the door up to new sources of power that are essentially green power. They're power that is almost infinite in, its, in what could it could obtain. Yeah, you keep saying green power, and yeah. my mind goes to the wrong place because I'm <laughs> thinking about it very one-dimensionally just yeah. based on green energy or whatever. Yeah. But Really, it's are... like something with no byproduct, right, is mm. how I would think of it if you want to think of it like that versus what we have today where it's like all chemical reactions and now we've got we're polluting the environment with all the byproducts we've got uh you know smoke etc but it still adheres to the laws of thermodynamics despite that exactly and that's what's interesting even salvatore pius argues in a lot of our interview that we can do this and create huge amounts of energy this is where the patent office would push back and say they didn't think it was possible right and now if it is possible we're, we're looking at it on two videos um the quantum properties as i mentioned may include mass reduction and that's where, you know, this gets pretty scary because now if we can take something that's very big and teleport it at very high speeds, the first thing that comes to mind is warp nukes. How do you defend against a nuke that instantly appears on you and then kaboom? And that's without even thinking of other applications, right? That's just straight up only just what we see in the videos. And then time is since time is a fluid symmetry, faster relative flow equals no inertia, which allows for zero Gs. And that's where you can have things floating like we see with those orbs floating around there. Explain zero Gs to people. Uh, zero gravity, essentially. So with no inertia, with no mass, then in that situation, you have pulled yourself out of space-time of the geodesics that the Earth is creating as it bends the space-time itself. But that just means you can... Fl- when I first mm-hmm. hear that, just means you can float. float. Yeah, exactly. And you know that goes back to UAPs as well, right? Which is 
supposedly they're sitting out there floating with no propulsion. So the question is, are they utilizing inertial mass reduction? Maybe we've reverse engineered it and figured it out. Yeah, they're like a feather. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so less mass equals faster time, which means the ability to achieve high speeds. And the analogy I like to use with this is like a fly, right? Is why People always wonder, like, or an ant. When you see the ants, you see how fast they move despite them being so tiny, right? Or a fly. Why does it take me so, why is it so hard for me to swat a fly? It feels like it shouldn't be able to move that fast. But the idea is the less mass, faster time, faster things can move. And I think that actually helps to simplify the concept for people who are laymen like you or I um, when we're trying to understand these very concept, uh, really complex scientific concepts. What is the... When you talk with a guy like Salvatore, what do you think, to play devil's advocate for a minute, would be the motives of a guy like that if his Wikipedia were right, to be a disinfo spreader? Like, where does your head go with that? Yeah, it's hard to come up with a comprehensive reason for why he would want to do that. Like, I can't really think of one. Like, what's the point of you trying to put this information out there, you know? Um, I think that we talked earlier that maybe one reason would be to, like, convince other countries that they should waste resources on looking into it if it's not possible. But, you know, I feel like other countries are going to look into that and immediately figure out whether or not it is possible. And if so, then they'll put the resources into it. And if not, they won't. Right. So, again, doesn't make a lot of sense. His explanation for what he told me was that, you know, he wants to make it so that this technology is cheap. And the way that he, th- he thinks it to do that is to give it to the government so, therefore, private companies can't claim ownership of it. Hmm. And it's kind of like with Medicare, with, and I, I know a little bit about healthcare, is that Medicare, the government pays the least. And so what that does is essentially drive down the price so that the insurance companies can't charge more, in theory. And so what ends up happening when you look at prices is the people who get charged the most are people who are self-pay. If you don't have any insurance, they're going to try to charge you probably 10 times what insurance companies are willing to pay. The government's the one who pays the least, and the insurance companies pay a little bit more than that usually. So it's kind of the same concept, is if you put it out there, you give it to the government, now private companies can't go and claim ownership Mm -hmm. over the patents, and now they can't rip people off about it, right? I think if that's true, that's a pretty noble cause, and it seems to be consistent with his general ideas as well. He's not trying to make money off those patents. He doesn't own those. He wouldn't make a single dime off of them. Which you would think if somebody who wasn't noble, they would want a patent in their own sure. name, right? Like, especially advanced technology, if, assuming, even assuming that's real, right? Like, you're going to make millions, billions of dollars, right? Um, so I think that's really interesting. What do you, so mm-hmm. going back to your initial hypothesis we've highlighted throughout yeah. our conversation of this, which is lithium battery yep. caused fire, plane is floating in, in, in a little inferno trying to figure it out. These, Advanced def- defense weapons happen to be in the area. They're trying to save it. Mm-hmm. And then the plane, in the case, if the video is correct, disappears. Yeah. Where, based on the science you just laid out, which I really just wanted you to go through it, and I'd yeah. like, pe- instead of some of the previous approach to some of the oh, other yeah. evidence with the really complex stuff, I'd rather see the audience come after that because we have a lot of people in the audience who are have science backgrounds and stuff like that like so let's crowdsource it so feel free Please to put do. that down in the comment section and contact ashton on social media on twitter and reddit but where where what do you think if that science holds up yeah. anywhere in the wavelength of what you just laid out where where do you think they go yeah and i want to agree with what you just said like uh, from salvatore Pius's perspective from even roidy herbert's perspective these people want other people to come in and check the work, validate it, test it, 
disprove it, whatever, to get people behind it. What it seems like is that most people aren't even willing to look at it. And that's my biggest issue. So if, if we can help in that respect with this interview to get people looking at the science, I think that's the better. And think about the implications we just mentioned, right? Potentially green energy, we can change the whole planet. If room temperature superconductivity is real, that'll change the whole planet. Well, so, hypothetically, they're already yeah. doing it. Yeah, no, I and I think that they are, right? So I really want people who are PhDs, scientific academics, to really look at this and take it seriously. I also wonder, though, as a quick aside, yeah. devil's advocate to that, yeah. like if it is us, and that's a that's an if here. I mean, this was out in, in, you know, off the coast of Malaysia and Vietnam and around China. Maybe it's not ours, but if it is ours, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if I want people knowing about that. I've thought I'd about rather it us have it. Yeah. You know, no disrespect to the rest of the world out there. Sorry, guys. But, you know, I do live here, so I'm a little biased. I've had the same uh, quandary as well almost every single day, especially the more I've dug into the science. I originally thought this was just about MH370, right? And that's really noble. I want to get the answers for these people. The more you look into the, the science side of it and the more I realize, oh, this is our tech, then I start to wonder, like, do we really want this, you know, exposed to everyone? What are the real long-term implications impl- uh, implications of this? You know, this could be stuff that we don't want our adversaries to know about. Like having this military superiority might be a temporary thing because of this. Um, and I think that's something we can have, kind of broach at the end in terms of what the implications are in general. But Well, it, well actually, we're right on it right it. now. So okay. if, yeah. if you got to – because right now you're still putting it all together and you have a story. But if you got to a point yeah. where you felt not even definitive but really good that that was the case, yeah. you know, if you're like a patriotic American, are you going to stop? Probably not because that's Why? MH370 on those videos and they lied about it and people were being gaslit. People have been – you know, vilified that shouldn't have been vilified. So um, let me play devil's advocate yeah. on that too. Sure. Very sad. Two hundred thirty-nine people died. Yeah. Can't undo it. Yeah. You gonna sacrifice the future of the country in that way for two hundred thirty-nine yeah. people you can't bring back? Well, I think I'll let Salvatore Pius do the speaking because right in the beginning of our interview, he did he put a disclaimer out there that I thought was very surprising. He said that really the po- purpose of this should be unity. Because our world's so divided right now, we need common purpose. And I've that's been my, actually, approach as well, is that exact hmm. same approach. But he also said that the technology that we are disclosing has the capability to potentially destroy the world, doomsday weapons. Sure. And that's the part that I think is more scary, which, and I've said this in a lot of my spaces and podcasts and appearances, is that we have to be very responsible as humanity <sighs> with this information. Yes, it can change the world for the better, but yes, if it does mean stuff like doomsday weapons where individuals could create weapons that could destroy whole cities or even the planet, like that's a lot to, that's a big burden to bear. You know, right? th- this is another one of those catch 22s yeah. that I think about all the time. And in my old studio, I still have the picture mm-hmm. outside of here, but in my old studio on one of the walls, I had a picture of God damn it, I never remember the name of that fucking island, but I have a picture of that island in the middle of the Pacific right after World War II that (laughs) we used a nuclear bomb test on and blew it up. And I have a picture of that bomb blowing up. And below it, I had a picture of the recreation of the hand of God and and Adam, but instead one one of the hands was the robot hand (laughs) to signify artificial intelligence. And the reason I did this was because I was always thinking about the burden of humanity creating the things that could destroy itself, which, I mean, that's the most unoriginal thought ever. A lot of us think about this shit. But I thought about it in the context of 
kind of a, a battle in my head of not wanting to say, hey, we've proven it already. We'll do it again and assuming that. Mm-hmm. But reminding ourselves that we these weapons were used 80 years ago or almost 80 years ago, right? And then the world was terrified people were going to use it again. And to be clear, it's something – I'm talking about nukes right now, yeah. obviously. It, to be clear, it's something that still always comes up and people are afraid yeah. of. But despite all the problems that have happened since then, knock on a lot of wood right here, we have never done it collectively, even when countries are massive enemies of each other. And just, you know, it's just human beings getting pissed at each other and they want to hit a button. And we've never done it. And with AI, the difference is it's technology that works for itself that at some point won't require us touching the button, which makes it very, very interesting. Hmm. But I do go back to humanity has figured it out before, even when it looks dark and even when it looks scary. And perhaps as a species, we will continue to develop at a rate that allows us to at least keep certain things in the box. And some of that is some wishful thinking, but I also wonder if that might actually be the case if history does repeat itself in a good way. I'm with you too. I like to look at the good in humanity and the hopeful side of it like that. Like Just like you pointed out, we haven't destroyed ourselves yet. Right. right, and we have the capability we've had it for eighty years. Right. So I keep thinking back that we should, as long as we use this responsibly and we set limitations around how we use it, I think we can survive it. And I think it's worth going through and kind of figuring it out. And to the point of like, you know, our enemies getting it. These videos have been out there for nine years. If I can figure it this out with a small group of people and a Twitter account, then Russia and China figured it out a long time ago. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so that's and that may even be why they haven't tried to silence me uh, harder on this. And, and I, I don't mean necessarily physically, but just in general, like, you know, ban me, make the content go away. Well, Perhaps do, they've already known that it's we're, it's too late, right? I, I do think it's also helpful that you're a guy taking the lead on it versus, like, the leaker. Yeah. There's a limit, like, and this isn't your fault, there's a limitation there, mm-hmm. right? You're not the guy with the inside info. Like, right. I don't think... I don't think I'd be too worried if I like I asked you that question earlier just because I have to. I want to see where your head's at, yeah. but I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. Very I don't good. think that's really a, a, a thing. I think I think you're pretty good. But you know what? We'll sidebar on that because that's interesting. Like, yeah. do you have naturally when you get into things like this? Mm-hmm. Of course, you're looking at all kinds of like international intelligence operations and stuff like that. They're at the middle of anything that's important. Yeah. It's just how the world works. But like. Is that – is like studying espionage or things around that something that you've had a long-term interest in as well? Uh, not really. Honestly, I really? have no idea what espionage would consist of. I would say the closest it comes to is disinformation that it kind of goes to the fact-check sure. thing we were talking about. You know, one thing I have noticed is how these videos were censored off of Reddit like very quickly. <laughs> August 19th was the day they were censored. There was an account that was one day old that was called IC Slide, which it's a play on words. It's IC Slide stands for Intelligence Community Forum Sliding, which is a mechanism of disinformation. And I think that that was an account. Yeah, that was the name of the account. One day old account, sock puppet account. They called them. That posted this. It got upvoted to the top, given tons of awards. The comments in there were also forum slides. Was all thank God this is over. Thank God this has been debunked. Right. And I'm looking at it going, what the heck? Like, you know, this doesn't this doesn't close anything. And then they use as a pretense the UFOs subreddit did to stop all conversation about it, to not allow any more posts about the entire topic. And this is what sites hmm. like Reddit is probably the most guilty of. I mean, in my opinion, Reddit is the number one source of misinformation on the planet today. Really? Yeah. How do you I, figure? I think that what they use is a couple different other disinformation tactics: manufactured consensus and social contagion. So manufactured consensus is essentially 
using sock puppets, post fake content, or censoring content that goes against a specific narrative and up making sure that the content you want people to see is at the top. Because on Reddit, no one reads past the headline. All they do is say, oh, that's at the top. That must be true. Or sometimes they open it up and look at a couple of the comments and they go along with that. And that leads into social contagion. A lot of people don't even know where the source of their information comes from. You probably will experience this with people that you know as well, where they will come up with a narrative that they believe in and, uh, you know, it spreads. They tell you it. You adopt that narrative. Yes. We're very uh, sociable uh, people, humans are. We are all susceptible to it. And yes. peer pressure is the, the source of yes. it, right? Absolutely. And that's where the, manu- the social contagion comes into play, is that one person hears it and they spread that false content through word of mouth, and peer pressure forces other people to adopt those beliefs without even knowing the source. A lot of times with respect to these debunks, people will say, oh, I thought that was from a video game, right? And they don't even know that it comes from this icy slide account. They don't even know the source of it. They just heard that through word of mouth, right? And I think if people knew where the source was and where it really came from, they wouldn't be so sure about these videos being debunked in general. You know, the second half of that is narrative control, censoring those who are telling the truth. Because if you're brainwashing people with fake narratives, you can't have somebody out there going, no, here's the reality telling you the truth about it. Because if it does, it breaks down the brainwashing. Or it works both ways and they try to create a Streisand effect with it. Yeah. Or a lot of it, too, is just throwing out different stuff so people can't tell what's real. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's a big part of it. Exactly. And you also have the thing you're not saying here that is the underlying (laughs) dirty truth is that you have intelligence agencies all over the world, bro. They're all involved. Yeah, you know, not just the United diff- States, Oh, right? my but God. Yeah, not all just of them. the United States is like one little piece <laughs> yeah. of it. I mean, Christ, you know? Yeah. They probably get so pissed at headquarters in the U.S. <laughs> like, we're getting blamed for fucking everything. And half of it is all these other goddamn, more than half of it's all these other goddamn people. It's hard to pinpoint. I think the scary part about it is what does that do to people's psychology, right, To yeah. that they see it? And I think the thing that I've noticed a lot is that People that get lied to a lot, when you present them with the truth, they get very angry, right? And they have an emotional reaction to it. Yes. If people that don't get lied to a lot or don't believe in a lot of lies, if they hear something that's not the truth, they just don't care, right? Or they hear something that's different, they just, oh, okay, sure. Like, you come and tell me that the sky is green, I'm going to say, sure, man, whatever. Right? <laughs> I'm not going to get angry at you and yell at you and tell you it's blue, mm-hmm. you know? So, And that's the part where, like, I think the disinformation is very damaging. And that's where we have to be very careful about government using influencers to push disinformation or misinformation onto people, there's consequences that come along with it. Hard to determine that, too. Yeah, absolutely, right? And that's the big part. It's like, how do I know if something's real or not? You you know what? The sad thing is what will be will be. That's that's the one thing I wish Mm -hmm. I could tell people sometimes. I understand when people get worked up about stuff they're passionate about, but like, Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to do your best with the information you have. We are all susceptible to making mistakes. I do it on air publicly, right? Like, you know, it's that's even worse, I would guess, because, like, you're literally talking to people. But I do my best, and I think that's the standard other people should hold themselves to. Like, if you learn that something's wrong, it's wrong, No, you know, and, and say it with the same volume with which you said it in the first place. Exactly. You know what I mean? But it's, it, it is – you're right. It's a very difficult – difficult problem to to address and if i had the answers for it you and i wouldn't be sitting here talking right now <laughs> put it that way i think people need a i wish we taught critical thinking in school right like yeah. that feels like that should be something that people should learn is okay don't just read the headline like we talked like the newsweek article is a great example right like if you just read the headline you think it's debunked if you yeah. dig into it you realize like oh these are just subjective statements oh the only factual statement is actually wrong like oh okay that's critical thinking right well i think it's more 
it's more behavioral. It's because the world shifted, right? And behavior shifted with way more information in your face that was packaged in certain ways such that you were incentivized to scroll more and just read the headline. Because, yeah. like, you know, I, I think I'm really lucky for this, but I can honestly look back on my years of school, and there was, there was yeah. one or two schools I didn't like as much as the others. But overall, especially in the, in the schools I had great experience at throughout my education – we never had a class called critical thinking, but like I definitely learned yeah. some good critical thinking there and no one was talking about it because it was right. You know, in, once I was in college, like mm-hmm. social media ran the world, right? High yeah. school, it was starting to, but like you were still on the earlier stages of it. Mm-hmm. So we hadn't had that full Gen Z, ooh, next TikTok <laughs> effect. But you're right. It would now I think it people would benefit from you know, you don't even have to use heavy terms and call a class critical thinker or something, but have classes that invite great debate, yeah. you know, that invite openness to, you know, the fact that someone else may have a different opinion and you know what? Their intentions aren't bad. Yeah. You know, that's the problem with the internet. We assume the worst intentions. And yeah. That happened to me, you know, directly because after that, after the UFO subreddit censored the topic, they created another subreddit that was led and moderated by debunkers who were not trying to solve the case. And I engaged in that subreddit. Uh, you know, that's when I made my account and said, I saw a lot of misinformation posted there and said, I'm going to start posting some of my evidence there. The first thing that they did was they wanted to reprimand me for not believing that the visual effect from a low-quality video game was debunked the videos. They wanted to literally reprimand me for not believing in the groupthink. And that's the part that scares me, right, Mm -hmm. is that this idea that you can't have an opinion that's different, right? Um, And, you know, one thing I just kind of to jump into the next thing about this is or kind of may change gears here. And I want to make sure we go back to that remote control Oh, ability of the yeah. plane, but just I don't want to forget that. I'm just reminding you. you know, go ahead. I think that these videos potentially might be one of the last times that we'll be able to prove a video like this to be real because a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, like the AI capabilities that mm. we have nowadays, right? People are making AI art for me that is like amazing. They're just yeah. doing it with a click of a button, right? And these videos, because they go back to 2014, you know, predate a lot of the deep fake for at least commercially available stuff and AI technology, which makes it a lot more difficult. Well, that's where I could push back because yeah. that was – and again, it goes back to what the motive of the person would be and what their position would be. And there's an argument for you, but this mm-hmm. stuff did exist. Like, Yeah, and so sure. there it's like – one thing I want to point out because we didn't talk about that actually was that let's was assume that like the government but... created this, right? Because a lot of those requirements you see require military knowledge. And mm-hmm. you know they had AI. The sentient program was already declassified Absolutely. I think in 2012, mm-hmm. which is what operates and controls the satellites and operationalizes them. Mm-hmm. So I think you could argue they have AI, right? The problem is with that is, and this is something I noticed right away about the videos, is if you release this video and you release it to the public as the government, and they never have, right? If anything, I think they're still hiding it. Uh, But let's say they did. Like, what is the common person going to think when they look at that? Not people like you or I who are maybe a little bit more open-minded, whatever. But like, you know, common people who watch CNN, New York Times, are they going to think that aliens took the plane? Right, which is what you know we might think right away. My opinion is that they're going to look at that and go, "Wait, the government did something here. U.S. government's responsible, and they're the ones filming it on two cameras in this video." They're not going to believe the orbs and that part. They're just going to immediately go, "Oh, the government destroyed this plane. Maybe they blew it up. Something else like that." Right, and that's why it doesn't really make a lot of sense from a narrative perspective for why this would be. I would call you a psyop that the government made this for whatever reason. And that's why I found these videos so compelling. If for some reason like this implicated 
Russia or China or something like that, I would be a lot more inclined to be like, oh, yeah, the government made this. this they're hiding what really happened to the plane. But in this situation, that narrative just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still processing a lot of it. I Like I told you out front in the first podcast we did, I have a lot of a lot of skepticism about the veracity of that video. I find the concept, though, regardless of what that video shows this could be, to be a very possible outcome. That's why it's interesting. That's why your research yeah. is interesting to me. I'm going to chat, like I said, you know, I'm going to challenge you on stuff where yeah. I think there, it doesn't hold water. But what you're getting at with weapon retesting being potentially at the core of this, no matter what government it is, yeah. it's massively interesting with massive implications. And I'm still, you know, it's it's tough to process. But, <laughs> you know, let, let's, let, let's not bury it any longer. Let's go to the remote control possibility so i had i think first brought this up somewhere in our conversation where we were talking about the jeff wise scenario with russia (laughs) where he tried to say that the guys went but the the right one of the russians snuck below into the electrical pit and took control of the aircraft down there depressurized Mm -hmm. the cockpit depressurized the passenger area of the plane basically knocking everyone out and killing them and then flying the plane to fucking kazakhstan or something and people were saying it would not even be possible to, to from that spot, hack into and take complete control of the aircraft and fly it, which was a very interesting oversight because Jeff Wise has covered aviation for so long. I, I'm still a little clueless on that one. But the other concept that people threw out in tandem with when that conversation started was but – is it possible that the plane could have been taken control of by a very powerful system on the ground somewhere and remote control controlled? Hmm. Is that based on research you've seen? Is that was that possible at that time? Honestly, I saw the same thing you did in terms of them claiming that it wasn't possible, right? So I haven't dug too much into it just because I don't find a lot of evidence for it that stands up, but. If we are kind of speculating that the U.S. government is involved and they have the type of technology that we see in the videos, then I would have to say that they must have technology that can remote control plane. And I've seen some claims out there that say that, yes, you know, it is possible, um, you know, using some advanced technology and that even maybe these AWACS can jam the plane and jam the signals, which could be why these radar, this radar data is so unreliable and indicates, you know, movements that aren't possible for the plane. Um, and that's why initially I was kind of on this espionage scenario. And and that has been thrown out there a lot with the remote control. The issue with a lot of those uh, arguments is they have this plane going to a military base that's 1,500 miles away. And it's like, how did it get there? What base? Right. Uh, it's a base called Diego Garcia mm-hmm. in the Indian Ocean, which I think we'll talk about in a minute. But, um, you know, and that's a big part of this. Like, how does it get there if you remote control it? And do you really need to have the plane be remote controlled? Again, I haven't really ruled that out at all. Um, you know, it could be a possibility, like, let's say this plane was depressurized. And even in the fire scenario, you know, maybe the pilots could not, maybe they were incapacitated. Um, maybe there was a depressurization in the, in the cockpit as well. And, you know, maybe they had those masks and they were using them, but I don't know if that, that oxygen will last long enough. So there's a lot of different scenarios where potentially, you know, they might need a remote control to be able to move this plane. 
Um, so if there is more evidence that comes up for that, I would definitely include it in my, you know, my overall theories. Yeah, that's fact. Cause I don't know shit about fuck with that. I, I, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating, but you know how possible. And again, you could be looking at weaponry you don't know about. Mm-hmm. So I guess in, in that way, but it's certainly, it's certainly interesting, but you also have been talking about, and we definitely talked about this before camera too earlier a little bit, but you got off it cause there's a lot there, but the yeah. potential, leaker of this you said oh, yeah. something like you're 99 percent sure of who it is yeah before we jump into that i don't think we t- touched on why this is teleportation which oh, i just jump left into. people with a clip <laughs> with a cliffhanger okay yeah but we'll jump into that so in that? a minute we're going to talk about why i think we know who this person is did we talk about the, the you talked about the chinese teleport we talked about quantum teleportation but there's other possibilities you talked about invisibility okay. well, right do tell. so let's go the reason why we think it's teleportation pretty conclusively is first of all, the plane disappears from space-time instantly. It's just gone. The zap is cold. So this is an endothermic event that we're seeing in here. So it's not necessarily an explosion that we're seeing. Um, it's not cloaking because the smoke trail stops. When, you say, when you say it's endothermic for yeah. people speaking English out there? Yeah, so exothermic would be an event that's in like an explosive event where things are exploding apart, where energy is being right. released. This is where energy is being absorbed. Got it. Okay, so that's what endothermic would mean. Um, again, it's not cloaking because the smoke trail stops. So even we, we looked into this a lot, thinking maybe this is some form of cloaking. But even if you mask every single electromagnetic signature to the point where these IR cameras can't see the plane at all, the smoke, the byproducts should still be coming. You'd see just this smoke trail floating freely. That's what I would expect cloaking to look like. Um, it can't be annihilation. I initially thought this might be an annihilation event. But unless they're somehow able to violate E equals MC squared, the mass, uh, the energy has to go somewhere. So again, the uh, th- second law of thermodynamics is energy, mass is not either created or destroyed, it simply changes forms. What that would mean is that if this mass is destroyed, there would be a huge energetic release. And when we look at this zap, we see, you know, sure, there's a little bit of flash, but based on the amount of mass we see there, a whole part of the planet would have been destroyed based on that. You know, yeah. think of like an atom bomb and the size of that compared to the size of the of the plane. Again, when we look at this stuff in the movies or you look at it in theoretical mm-hmm. physics and science, it's always taking place, it seems like, most of it in, in outer space. Yep. And this is right there. And so the mass and energy has to go somewhere. And yeah. so that's really what leads us back to teleportation. Now, about teleportation, there's actually a few possibilities here as well, which aren't fully understood. You know, it could go to another dimension, if we believe in multidimensional theory, which mm-hmm. we were talking about before. Shout out Brian Keating. <laughs> could go to another planet somewhere else in the universe, right? Could just go super far away. Could go to the future. We talked about time dilation, how time dilation is real. So the faster and further you go, then theoretically, the further in the future you're going to show up. Even though in your frame of reference, it may be a very small period of time. You still, from the observer, they're going to see a very long period of time go by. So the same idea as the Matthew McConaughey situation the faster that you're going towards the speed of light, the slower your frame of reference is going to be going. You're going to be experiencing time at a normal rate, but the people outside are going to be experiencing at a much higher rate. Um, and then the last is just another point on Earth. You know, may just teleport somewhere else nearby, right? We've also speculated that perhaps this teleportation event, the cold event that we see, is somehow absorbing the energy from the lithium-ion batteries, cooling them to a point where the fire is being put out in them. Mm-hmm. This is another support for why this might be saving the plane. Now, again, fully understanding all of that, it's very speculative, but it seems to line up with the motive of this plane being doomed. Uh, one thing about teleportation is you can't break causality, right? So you can go forward in time, but if you go backwards in time, 
then you need to go to another universe, multiverse, another timeline, right? Because otherwise, you know, you kill your mom, now you don't exist anymore. <laughs> a kind of situation comes into play. Uh, we think there might be limitations, too. I don't think this is a type of, like, unlimited technology. Like, maybe you have to do this in the sky because we see that this is something that's, like, completely around why, the Why planet. would – how do you make that determination? Um, because if it's something on the ground, like we're sitting on right now, then you're going to, what, teleport the, the ground with you, right? So there might be some limitations where this has to be above in the air, in outer space, but maybe not do... even on the water. Wait, teleport the ground with you, but... Mm-hmm. Okay, continue. Because the idea is these, these spheres are circling around the entire plane, right? So in three dimensions. So then it would be going into the ground. Mm, exactly, yeah. you got it, okay. yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, which is speculative. But I wonder if... I'm thinking of this too much like Earth-centric by assuming that for the purposes of the type of experimentation we're doing, the ground is different than the oxygen in the atmosphere in that circulation. It's hard to say. It's less dense, but, you know. Yeah, it definitely is, but. Yeah, exactly. Is there ways to get around that? Not sure. I even asked Salvador Pius if, like, objects can go through solid matter as opposed to, you know, just water and air, because his transmedium craft using inertial mass reduction seems like it could go through space, water, and air, but can it go through solid mass? That's still unknown. He actually didn't answer that question. Is this making sense to you, Alessi? It's, 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 it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep going. Yeah, so why might you teleport a plane? You might teleport to hide the plane. So this point where they did this might be a spot where other spy satellites weren't looking. You might have done it to put the fire out, which we speculated, to save them. Um, and then, yeah, I think we hit the other points. So that's kind of the information about why we think this is teleportation. And it doesn't leave a lot of room for other options. But, you know, of course, I'm trying to stay open, especially with the physics side of it. Uh, I think having an open mind in terms of what we're dealing with from a physics perspective is really important. Absolutely. So you want to dig into Agent 370, the person who I think yes. potentially leaked this. This is the cliffhanger. I just I didn't mean yeah. to do that, people. I'm sorry, uh-huh. but it's his fault. He kept going. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you said something like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were like 99% sure it's this person. Yeah, I don't think we could ever find anybody who checks more boxes. So okay. hopefully people watch the first part of this because really I think that now that we've looked into the videos in this much depth, we have a good idea of the mindset and psychological profile for someone we're looking at. So I also did in my head, because I've done this before, where I have people in here who are on a roll and, and we do too. Yeah. In my head, just for people out there, as I got in, in through that first, was going through that first podcast, we were doing the conversation. I set it up so that these can stand on their own. Meaning if you are currently watching part two right now, part one is kind of like if you were watching, what's a good example? Like if you were watching the Lord of the Rings series and then you went back and watched the Hobbit when they made it afterwards, it's similar. It's a, we covered, we went through and litigated all basically like the list of main evidence that Ashton came up with around the case. We went into a little bit more of the basics of the case itself, if you were less familiar, but it should be fine. Just like Matt LaCroix's two episodes, very similar. Like you can watch the second first, but yeah, I would recommend after you finish this, if you enjoyed it to go back and watch the first, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of information and and background on the case there, but continue Ashton. No, that's a good point. And I will actually repeat some of this information as well here. Um, so I've already put in pending Freedom of Information Act requests to the FBI and NCIS about the case because this person, as we talked about, would have gotten caught. They used a Citrix session. You know, these videos, assuming these videos are real, they're not going to be able to hide their identity theoretically in this front. So 
how good are you at, at navigating FOIAs? Uh, I've gotten a lot better, but I, I was generally not very good at them in general to you begin should, with. You should so. talk with our friend Matt Cox. He yeah. did 13 in prison, and he became a writer while he was doing it. Oh, really? He was a FOIA expert, like on his own case and on everyone else's cases. So you should yeah. talk to him. For yeah, sure. that sounds I'll, like a I'll good idea. Yeah. yeah, please do. Because, yeah, I mean, a lot of it has to do with finding the right, first of all, or government organization, and mm-hmm. then figuring out, like even figuring out what kind of data sets are available. They don't give you anything, right? You just have to guess. Um, so from what we figured out before, this leaker is most likely U.S. personnel, U.S. military personnel, likely an operator, likely had an emotional reaction based on the fact that Regicide Anon received the videos four days later based on their um, description. The HUD data was removed. They cropped out the drone of the satellite video, which was the first video that was leaked. Mm. And that they likely had to convince Regicide Anon that the videos were authentic due to the long time frame between when they received them and when they uploaded them. In addition to the fact that Regicide Anon later on argued for the authenticity of the videos. So I thought, okay, we've got this psychological profile of the person one day. Maybe I'll dig around. And I looked up everybody who had been charged with espionage, willful retention of classified data, willful retention of national security documents. And then I ran across Lieutenant Commander Edward C. Lynn. And Lieutenant dun, Man, dun, dun. <laughs> he's the one who checked, <clears throat> excuse me, all the boxes. So right away, he flew in the Air, uh, Lockheed Martin EP-3 Ares II, which has the real-time tactical SIG int and full motion video intelligence capabilities. The crew fuses collected intelligence along with offboard data to create battlefield situational awareness. To me, this explains exactly what we're looking at in our quote-unquote satellite video. He had experience in signals intelligence, SIGINT, which we've been talking about here for the last two podcasts. He flew in the Special Project Squadron 2 Wizards VPU-2. His last deployment was February 2014 to March 2016, which he did not finish because he was arrested in September of 2015. The FBI ran a sting operation on him beginning in August of 2015, to try to prove that he was somehow a traitor. The charges would have resulted in life in prison, so he was facing full life over this. First major incident of an espionage by an active duty member of the Navy since the end of the Cold War. There was a heavily redacted charge sheet. They redacted all the dates, all the names, etc. The the dates were the most interesting to me, because if he did leak the videos, the dates would be damning in terms of showing that the charges are related to the videos, based on the Um, descriptions that we've seen in those videos. He was privy to the Navy's black program portfolio. So he had top secret government clearance and access to compartmentalized information as well. He had knowledge that could easily or could be extremely useful to potential U.S. adversaries. There was growing doubt as to whether or not the government could actually prove it was a spy case. And later on, they admitted that it wasn't really a spy case, that there was no evidence that uh, Edward C. Lin ever exchanged any sensitive information with anyone from China. He was a naturalized Taiwanese-American. The defense argued that the classified information in in question is available on the Internet. In 2014, Lin accidentally left two flight manifests in his flight suit from a deployment that included search and rescue code names. I can't think of any other situation in 2014 other than this. This is the biggest one. We found another article that's... Well, well, in fairness on that one, there probably were other ones that you didn't hear about or... Maybe. I mean, there's a lot that happens. But I mean, that's the big one. Yeah. And interestingly enough, there was another article that somebody sent me that for some reason uh, was about him and his case. At the very top, it actually had a different spy plane in a picture of it 
that in the description said this spy plane was in the middle of the search for MH370, which seemed like a very odd connection to have in the top of a case about this guy, which seemed to indicate that his job was potentially similar to those jobs. Um, he was abused while in pretrial detainment by something called the Goon Squad, which was reported. Um, he complained about them uh, ruffling his cell, taking information that was privy for just his lawyer from him, and putting him out in the cold, as well as somebody else. He spent 646 days in pretrial detainment. They wanted to make sure this guy was not talking to anybody. How, again, you said this at the very beginning, I believe mm-hmm. I just, I'm trying to process it all. How, again, did you first come across this guy? I was searching and Googling everywhere. I looked up people that, I, there's like Wikipedia lists for everybody who's mm-hmm. been charged with these various offenses. So you were looking for I offenses. couldn't find anyone from there. I, like, I looked up all the big people that have been charged with all these, uh, you know, willful retention of classified information. Most of them got like slaps on the wrists, like oh. one year, three years. Some of them got up to 10 years. And did you say in here mm-hmm. that there's uh, listings on where he was deployed? Yeah, so he was deployed in Hawaii. Uh, from 20, that last one was from February 2014 to March 2016. That's and, interesting for a whole lot of reasons. Oh, I don't, okay. That, so that's where Snowden was. Oh, was one. it? That's okay. where, now I, and I that looked does, up Snowden, Chelsea Manning, all these people. That doesn't mean that, really that this guy had, huh. by the, that does not mean this guy had any access to the NSA's like heartbeat huh. stuff there. But that is, they put some interesting things there. And Hawaii. Really? We were on the phone with that guy this morning who was telling us about this. Hawaii has some oversight. Some government offices there will have oversight of things in the Pacific. Really? Well, there we go. That's another connection that I didn't yeah, even know existed. That doesn't need to mean anything, but it's worth saying. It could. Yeah. So he ended up taking a plea deal um, for nine years. Ooh. Got nine years after the plea deal Woo. with three years suspended at the end. So theoretically, he got out a couple of years ago, potentially. And what was the exact charge, like espionage? So interestingly enough, he accepted responsibility for the offenses he was actually guilty of, which was not espionage, just the two charges of uh, disseminating or retaining classified information. They keep, they keep it pretty big. Nine that. years for that, under a plea deal. If you look at other people who had similar charges for willful retention of classified information or mishandling classified information... They didn't get nine years, not after a plea well, deal. I guess we're going to find out with Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Fuck. this guy, they threw the book at him. So I don't think we're going to find somebody that fits the bill more than this. I mean, the signals intelligence part right away, the whole thing we've been talking about here in the last two podcasts is signals intelligence. Now, another part piece that I kind of put together last night is that if you think about that emotional reaction and the reaction that most people have when they look at this, they go, this has to be non-human intelligence on these videos. You know, he probably didn't even realize the significance of what he was leaking. You know, we've been talking about now, what just recently, what are the implications of this? Could this lead to weapons of mass destruction, right? And I could see a scenario where he didn't think what he was doing was wrong initially. He was cropping out all the information that might be sensitive. And then later on, they convince him, NCIS, the FBI, that, hey, you really damaged our national security here. You know, these other foreign countries are not going to be able to catch up to this hyper-advanced technology that we've been hiding and therefore, he says, okay, yes, I'm very sorry for my actions. He, he issued a very apology. He said he wanted to be held as an example for so that pe- future people won't make the same mistakes that he does. Oh, how nice of him. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, imagine this guy's psychological state, though, right now, if he is the guy, where we ignored these videos for nine years. Can we Google him Edward C. Lynn? Yeah, you're going to find a lot of One of them is the, the strange case of Edward C. Lynn, where none of the, this whole charge has really made sense from a public perspective. Now, you are probably, if I'm going to, 
if I'm going to be fair and balanced here, you're you're <laughs> you're probably a little too far, saying 99%. I understand why you're looking at this so interesting yeah. though. Yeah, somebody could I, find, yeah. I will say, there it is. It is certainly questionable. This guy, this guy, you have found someone who some timelines and places and dates and things can fit. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. If somebody can find somebody better, then I would be happy to look at it. But I looked really hard. I wish people would look. Because if we can find somebody who fits the bill better than this guy, I'll be blown away. Because if we can find somebody who fits the bill better than him, then I'm sure that's the person. Look at that. He confessed to telling a recently retired Taiwanese naval officer and others some highly classified details about the U.S. Navy's Weapons programs, including the long-range anti-ship missile under development, the high-speed railgun, and the laser weapon system being tested in the Persian Gulf, also not too, too far away there, according to statements made at a recent motion. So he had been talking about other technology as well, right? So this seems like a guy who could have said, hey... MH370 is never going to get solved, right? Bustamante would have put him in prison for life. Be like, <laughs> fuck this guy. <laughs> he had actually, like, he worked as a, on the nuclear, I think he worked on nuclear weapons as well. So they gave this guy, like, the highest levels of clearance and security. Yeah. Edward, the highest levels of trust. Edward, this is also in the article. Edward Lynn is facing charges of espionage and attempted espionage, but a Navy Times investigation found scant evidence that Lynn was a spy. That's an interesting sentence. Okay. Yep. And that's why they said the the quote about it wasn't ended up really being a spy case, and that really they argued that they, a lot of what was out there was misinformation about this guy, which makes sense if you're trying to obfuscate what he was really he charged up. with, right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. You're saying it's not. It's not willful. It's careless. Yeah. The other part too is that yeah, and but would, this would have been willful if he did this. this. Willful, but yeah, also a bit careless, right? Like he did oh, very, reduce yeah. some of the information out there and didn't and didn't try to get it all leaked. A spy would have just given it to China and not put it on the internet too, right? So it seems like he was trying to get the case solved. Maybe, maybe, but you could argue that like spies gave yeah. Assange stuff, right? Yeah. I, I think it depends on yeah, who it right. is and what the mission is. But that's yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting too. So I mean, you know, this is a pretty big podcast. So you know, uh, if he comes to me and says, "Hey, man, I'm not the guy," you know, you've been talking about me, and I'm not the guy, then yeah, I'll probably move away oh, from yeah, it. Oh yeah, because he he might be out of the slammer now. Oh, he is out. I think. I mean, based on the timeline. Well, so. he got sentenced to nine in 2015. Now well, that's, he got three years shaved off too. Now so. that's Fetty time. So they don't. You're serving that shit. Yeah. So he probably got out in like 2021. Okay. All right. Yeah, because it would be six for yeah. that. Which Eddie Lim, baby, step up. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: if he steps up, like there's this whistleblower law that's like getting passed right now for UAPs, whatever, right? I mean, if he came out as a whistleblower under that protection, <laughs> I, w- I would highly recommend you just not do that. Yeah. I'm just speaking I don't know if he's going to get the protection. I'm not an needs. attorney, but I please. would say that he needs a full pardon. If he's the guy, yeah. then in my opinion, he deserves it. I don't know. I don't know everyone will agree. Well, they, me, I can tell you the entire that, U.S. Yeah. government won't agree with you on that, and that will <laughs> never fucking happen because they'll view this the complete opposite as you. They don't want – and and again, and that's if this is the U.S. government with this one, mm-hmm. you know, which also, I mean, you got to leave that open. I'd like to think we're the ones who have weapons like this if this did in fact happen, Yeah, but I don't know. Well, we're the ones filming, so to me, they're the ones implicated first unless they try to give a story that, you know, somebody else pulled this off. It's going to be – it's gonna be tough to pr- explain, right? But isn't that like a like? Let's say you're right, and they were trying to save it. Mm-hmm. It's a noble thing to do. Hundred percent. Obviously, it would appear they failed, but maybe. 
I mean, that's that was nice of them. Yeah, I mean, maybe they failed, maybe not. I, we don't really know what happened to this plane. We know it didn't seem to crash anywhere. We didn't find it anywhere. Never found it. Yeah, so that's interesting. And and we talked about the whole debris debacle in the other podcast we did. But I mean, what did it, you talk to that lady Florence, right? That that French woman. Yeah. So she she was in a Netflix documentary. Mm-hmm. She ended up with this whole theory that somehow there was this smuggled like technology on the plane going to china and she went like outside if i remember correctly she went it wasn't having to do necessarily with that semiconductor company and the employees Mm -hmm. on there but she was just talking about some some tech that somehow ended up on the plane in general and so it was shot down on the way there she also did seem to rule out so many other things along the way i kind of wondered if like she wanted that to be true because she wrote a whole book on it she monetized it whatever but Mm -hmm. you had a chance to talk with her for a while Mm -hmm. right yeah. What did so? What did you share with her, and what did she? I say? shared with her everything about the case, and uh, I have to keep a lot as close to my vest. So, what I'll say is that she expressed to me that the position from the Netflix documentary was not accurate to what her her real opinion is. What? How so? Um, that she didn't think the plane was shot down. She said that very clearly. That, but that she, was not. But what she, she said that. I'd have to go back and look again. But yeah, what yeah. I'm telling you right now is that she told me she did not think the plane was shot down. I don't. And someone so, in the comments who's seen it recently yeah. talk about that. But I remember in that doc, they had they had two different. They had Jeff White. It was three episodes, and there were at least two different points across that episodes where where they like went into story mode, and Jeff Wise mm-hmm. starts telling a story, and they yeah. had all kinds of B roll that they filmed, and then they had one where she did it, and I I believe she said that therefore the 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 plane was stopped from getting to China. I don't know if she used the word Maybe. shot down, but I mean, my guess you is that they that misconstrued doc, right? it. Yeah. Do you remember that? I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Continue. But yeah, so Sorry. that's what she told me straight up. And I actually had the same opinion as you. I, th- I was like, Oh, I thought you said you shot it shot down. She said, no, that's misconstrued or what have you. Um, the only other thing is I'll say is she was not against the idea of teleportation. I thought, you know, most people like Jeff Wise definitely does not think that that's possible. Right. Um, from my interactions with him. Uh, but, you know, she was actually the most open-minded of all. And I thought I had really high respect for her. I think she deserves vindication as well, in addition to a lot of these other people, because if that story has been misconstrued, just like you think the plane was sh- you think she said the plane was shot down, and that's not well, true. If that's, then, if that's true that she was misconstrued, then I'd feel bad for her. Yeah, exactly. That's and that's what I thought, too, from talking to her. That's why my opinion of her is that she deserves vindication, that she's somebody who's a very respected journalist, that she's somebody who takes it very seriously. Have you read her book? Um, I've been trying to read it. I, I, I want to say yes so that she doesn't, when she watches this, she doesn't uh, get upset about I, it. I haven't read it, but yeah, I'm curious I, I got to see it. if she says I was that very impressed when I was started reading the book that it's a very in-depth look at the situation, not just so you started wild it. allegations. Yep, I've read part of it. I haven't got through the entire thing um, just because I've been very busy, but I do plan to finish it. Um, and yeah, I think that she's a very good author. Um, and that she's a serious journalist. And she's been trying to tutor me as well on the journalistic side for, for me to avoid some of the speculation, which I think you've probably yeah. challenged me on yes. as well for the same reasons. Because she says that, you know, the more you speculate on that, the more you open yourself up to criticism. Good advice. Um, yeah. And that's, again, that's, that's why I think that she's, you know, I find her vi- highly credible. Now, some of the things that she actually did a statement or uh, a presentation. And in the presentation, she argues that quite a bit of information that I think is really interesting. Wait. Now, hold on a second. Alessi just pulled this up and he's pointing yeah. it out. Where's this article from? March 2021. Mm-hmm. What really happened to flight MH370 mm-hmm. in the Disappearing Act, which is her book, 
French journalist Florence DeChangi presents her theory. Hong Kong-based correspondent Florence DeChangi believes that the plane was shot down and the truth covered up. Go down. Is there a quote? Go down. Yeah, that's what I want to quotes. see. I mean, God damn it, it's behind a paywall. All right, type <laughs> we'll, we'll in type in it. Florence DeChangi. Pl- All right, you, you're already ahead of me. Good. All right, go to... Did, is that the one you were just on? There's another one. It says it All right, hit that. Sure. Hit the Guardian. The Guardian's usually free. Okay, and Netflix... Well, that's the Netflix one where she claims she was taken out of context. So I want to find something. Yeah. Florence. Well, De- I mean, let's see if there's any quotes, though, right? Florence DeChangi book. Quotes. Yeah, but let's assume that the quotes sure. are... T- let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Say those quotes are taken out of context. Oh, I want to okay. see from her book. Book theory. Of, yeah, you got it. You're fucking all over it, bro. Okay. Go down. Go down. Go down. All right. Yeah, yeah. News.com AU. Here we go. This is March 2021. Bang. Please don't be behind a fucking paywall. Is the internet crapping out? Oh, good. An investigative reporter has made incredible claims against governments describing a disinformation plot to hide the, quote, real truth about the doomed flight. All right, I'll go down. That. A French reporter who had spent years investigating the peculiar case of MH370 flight, uh, yeah, MH370 flight claims the Malaysian Airlines plane was brought down by U.S. government alleging the entire mystery surrounding the missing aircraft has been manufactured to, tie the, to hide the truth. The 400-page book, The Disappearing Act, The Impossible Case of MH370, written by Florence DeChengi, makes a number of incredible claims against the U.S., insisting its military used advanced jamming technology to make the 777 aircraft invisible to nearby radars before shooting it down. Yeah, now, this is a, quote, this is a, a write-up from her book, though. So... I, but if you look at the quotes there, it this says, is now, simply not possible for MH, uh, Boeing 777s to have disappeared. This is the part where when you read news articles, and it goes back to critical thinking, right, is that when someone uh, editorializes, which are what things that are not in quotes are, go down. it's different than when you look at someone's actual quotes go directly, down. right? So go that's down. why okay, I, I'm okay. curious when myself. I, when, I, uh, when, I came, when it came to the art of bungling a search operation, providing a deliberate or accidental information, Australia ran Malaysia pretty close. That was her quote. Large tracks haven't been searched fully. Go down, go down, go down. All right, right here. The new analysis. Go down. Keep going. Fuck. I would find it hard to believe that all kinds of... Once I start seeing... Like, this is now... We're not just talking about the Netflix documentary. This is two years before now. In 2021, we're talking about when her book comes out and all the authors are saying the same thing. That she said it was shot down. So are all these different publications we're seeing it from wrong? Hold on. Is there a write-up on the book? Based, That's what uh, I'm looking at here. The book hints international cover-up has been collateral damage for years. The family's been long. Uh, the official version is served by the families. I'm reading through quotes on Amazon right now based on the book. Uh, go down to the – see if there's a description on the book. God damn it. Where? Maybe it's this. The incident was inexplicable in a world defined. Writing for Le Monde in the days and months after the plane's disappearance, journalist Florence DeChengi closely documented the chaotic whatever, whatever, whatever. Now DeChengi offers her explanation, drawing together countless eyewitnesses, press releases, independent investigative reports, and expert opinion. The disappearing act offers an eloquent and deeply unnerving narrative of what happened to the missing aircraft. It does, yeah, they're, they're leaving a cliffhanger because they don't want to tell you what mm-hmm. it is. But type in, did, did Florence DeChangi, did Florence so, DeChangi 
One thing say to, in book. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, I've got a let me here. let me run through this. Did Florence DeChangi say in book, plane shot down? New book. Author reveals her startling new theory. Daily Mail. Here we go. All right. This Ma- is interesting. March 2021. Go down. Florence DeChangi has been reporting on it in the 400-page book. She argues the current period's theories are off the mark and that there has been a combined effort to cover up the truth of what happened. Instead, she sh- this is from the Daily Mail. This is all over the world, dude. She suggests the plane could have been downed by the U.S. Air Force in an attempt to intercept the plane and confiscate cargo and route to, Bra- to Beijing. Go down. I want to see words with quotes, too, because that's the only thing we're looking for now. After the author... As the, as the Changi writes, it is not possible for a Boeing 777 to simply disappear. She uh, calls it greatest mystery. Go down. Go down. At this point, the burden of proof is on her because I'm fully buying that she <laughs> said it was shot down. I heard her. I know sure. I heard her say it in that documentary, like from her own fucking mouth. And she wrote a whole book and sold it on this thing about it. And she was always talking about the Americans, the Americans, the Americans. So I, I – at this point, do not believe her at all. It's going to take a quote saying that I do not believe the plane was shot down for me to for me to believe that. In the case of, of here's another one, the advance of the search, ba, 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 ba. it's been deployed this at many different means. We're deployed at the same time. Go down, go down. There's no U-turn. She claims. Hold on, is do you see quotes in there somewhere? De Changi De argues that the simplest explanation, the MH. 370 crashed in the China Sea shortly after it was last seen on regional signals, was quashed and tampered with in record time, yada, yada, yada. Okay, for security reasons about the Iranians, go down, go down. Go, all right, right in here, let's check this. Go, go down. Go down. I don't know if we're going to find it. I don't, I don't want to. It's possible that the pilot and co-pilot attempted to take a shortcut to reach Chinese airspace more quickly, but their attempt to escape the clutches of the U.S. planes failed. Quote, the shooting down could have been a blunder. This is her quote, she writes. But it could have also been a last resort to stop the plane and special cargo from falling into Chinese hands. Those are her words. So I do okay. not believe her. That's not credible. Well, we'll see what she says in the future. Yeah, good luck. Uh, yeah, like, I'm come not at sure. me. She can sit in that fucking seat. I'll grill her like a Philly cheesesteak. It will not go well for her. Uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's dude, we're, this is us just looking with me craning my mm-hmm. head onto size small font on a TV in the middle of a podcast recording, and I'm finding evidence sure. of that. Yeah, no, I think that my editorialization would be that she's probably looking at all theories because she knew, just like Jeff Wise knew, that, you know, plane can't just crash into the ocean without leaving signs of it crashing yeah, into the ocean, I don't, I don't right? disagree with that at all. So I think they're um, right about that. I think the one interesting thing, though, is about the passengers, right? A lot of people ask me, well, what happened to the passengers in this situation? Yeah, we started to talk yeah. about that earlier. But so interesting enough, the families of the victims never believe the official story. Yeah. I've got multiple videos out there that show people going on CNN months later. The girlfriend of uh, Philip Wood, uh, Danica Wells, who whose husband was on the plane, you know, they all just completely didn't believe it, right? And a lot of people just aligned that to grief related to the passengers. Uh, but you know, I think that they really had the same theory that maybe. Florence and Jeff had, which is that something isn't right here, right? right? And since then, the families have all gone silent. People ask me, has any family members reached out to me? They still have not, no. Um, well, it's only been two and a half months, in all fairness. I mean, yeah. I would have thought they would have, to be honest with you, yeah, but still, I'm just, I'm just pointing it out as a fact, um, and I haven't reached out to them. I don't plan to. Uh, if alive, you know, the passengers 
could have been returned to their countries in exchange for their silence, China would easily be able to keep people quiet. Like China would, but there were a lot of countries involved there, man. Yeah, most were Chinese or Malaysian. Uh, really, the top three were China, Malaysia, and Indonesia had like about 11, and then it teeters off to just a couple. Now, the American ones would have been the hardest ones, Yeah, right? good luck with that. But what they might have done with them was put them in witness protection, theoretically, give them a new identity, go silent, maybe even pay them off, right? Yeah, we're to and not but I'm just can't theoretically. Tell us. We're, we're totally theoretically speculating. Yeah, this is it. all theoretical. <laughs> right. Some of them could be alive on some military base where the plane potentially went. Um, to Florence Changi did an interesting presentation where she had some intelligence that said that one of the nephew, the nephews of one of the pilots, was told that his uncle was collateral damage. Um, the French father, we think we who spoke told to, him that. Yeah, the nephew, it was, uh, I guess some intelligence source went up to the nephew and told him that the pilot was, his uncle was collateral damage. Pretty wild. That's that's a really awful that's thing to say to somebody. Yeah, it is. But it's actually... <laughs> but you think about it from probably, terms of the context of what we've been talking about here, and it's like, huh, that's interesting. Even without the context of what we're talking about, it's probably technically true, but that, yeah. that's a fucked up thing to say. Yeah, the French father uh, was told that the two there was two AWACS in the area, and the Americans knew what happened to the plane. Yeah, that that, was, that guy is convinced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that dude is. Yeah, and cool. then uh, former head of Indonesian police said they knew what really happened to MH370, and they've been told by their Malaysian counterpart. That's pretty bizarre statement Who was to that? say. Former head of Indonesian police. So yeah, these Who are all quotes. Who did he say that to? Uh, he, um, I don't know who exactly he said that to. I'd have to look it up. But this is in Florence's uh, okay. presentation that she had. You can watch it and listen to it. Okay. And this is where she talks about how she knew she smelled, quote unquote, smelled a rat in terms of the situation here and how something had to be wrong. Um, I think there was also a statement as well uh, that cast a doubt on the official story related to the Chinese. Uh, I think it was the Chinese ambassador to Malaysia, if I say that correctly. That said, it was a very complicated situation, which isn't something you really say if, unless you know there's something amiss here that you're trying to obfuscate. But that's not as strong as these other statements that I've listed out there. So that's you know again, I don't know what happened to the passengers. I again want to say that you know my deepest sympathies to the victims of the passengers and that how hard the situation had to be to go through. Uh, but I hope that they find solace and peace, and I think that's part of the reason why we're doing this. Yeah, it's 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 very sad, you mm-hmm. know, to this day because. They they live in limbo in a lot of ways. It's like we talked about on the previous episode, the cell phone signals happening days later with mm-hmm. rings, even one incoming call. There's video of it too. It's like yeah, we you are talking about unpeeling some crazy, crazy shit. But like what are you – so you wrote a letter to Congress yeah. on October 21st. Mm-hmm. And, what, and you got it condensed into four pages – which yeah. is actually pretty impressive given all the points here. Mm-hmm. What specifically did you say and, and what – I mean, you're looking for a hearing, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's all the same evidence that we just disclosed here. But I think that we have enough evidence that presents that we could convince enough people in Congress to have an open hearing and investigation into this. Whether or not this is non-human intelligence or reverse engineered technology that I happen to think it is, to me, one leads to the other. And even if Congress doesn't care about – you know, the cause here, if this can show that there's a black budget program out there, like I think that Congress cares about the money, right? Mm. And when I was listening to those UIP hearings, that's something that I heard people that are even skeptical of the claims still say, well, if money's being misappropriated, then let's dig into that. And from even listening to Tim Burchett, like he says that, you know, the Pentagon can never pass an audit, right? That they can't account for like basically a ton of the money that's out there. 
let's at least look into that from that perspective, right? Even if people don't want to get closure for these people who have been lied to, gaslit, vilified incorrectly, let's at least look into this and figure out, okay, what is happening here? Why are we paying $10,000 for a toilet seat or whatever else they're doing? Because I think that's probably how they're pulling this off, right? In in all fairness, not that you shouldn't have wrote the letter and, and asked for it, but what is the incentive for Congress on an almost 10-year-old case where only three American died, three Americans died out in the middle of fucking nowhere in, yeah. in Eastern Asia? What is the incentive for them to have an open hearing on something like this and get the public wondering not about if these are aliens, if they can't successfully try to just turn it into that, <laughs> versus, you know keeping them off of the fact that maybe they're even if it's not our own that some government out there has weapons like this like what is the incentive to do that i'm i'm trying to put myself in the shoes and, yeah. I'm, and i hope i never ever have to know what those shoes are like yeah. someone up in fucking dc as a congressman or senator saying yeah we should have a hearing on this like what's the point yeah and i talked to my own uh congressperson's aides as well and they pretty much said in order to understand congress you have to realize that everybody has their own motivations and intentions yeah no shit you're a lot <laughs> and the thing about it is that the congress the people that are in there right now are not potentially the same people that were there in 2014 some of them sure are but a lot of them may not be so you know they have their own motivations as well the people that i wrote and sent this letter to which i mailed it to a dozen congressmen and uh three senators as well are across the political spectrum. They are not necessarily people that I think might all believe in this, but people that I think would have different motivations for it. Some may have their own political gains, right? How did you determine that? uh, I pretty much just looked up a list, and I picked all the people that were related to the UAP hearings, and then I added to it people that I thought were prominent, people that were outspoken, uh, people that would either be interested in the money aspect angle of it, people that are interested in the UAP angle, people that are interested in just getting to the truth, or people that are interested in their own political motivations, interestingly enough. Mm. So I looked at it from that four different angles and I thought, okay, if we're going to reach people in Congress, it can't just be about one thing. It's like, okay, you want political uh, clout, you know, you want to increase your profile, send it to some people like that. You know, if you want to get to the truth in general about corruption and conspiracies in the government, which I think there's a number of people who are trying to fight for that in Congress and the Senate. Um, and then again, if they're interested in the black budget programs and the misappropriation of money, and then the last are the people that are interested in the UAP phenomenon who want to get to the bottom of that, you know? So I think that kind of broaching from all those different topics might be enough. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I just want to get the truth. Yeah. So I just want the hearing because the evidence is a ton here. And a lot of this stuff is verifiable to the degree where, you know, if this is the guy, you know, all we have to do is declassify or, like, uh, you know, unredact some of these things, and we're going to figure it out right away. Yeah, right? that that is one thing I don't think they'd ever talk about, yeah, because that's already not. been litigated with him, too, with other things. And he's out now. Yeah. Right, he's out. He's got no incentive to do it at this point. Not really. And, like, we're living in a world where, like, Assange is, lit, is in the bottom of a fucking hellish prison for nothing, technically. Yeah, and Snowden's hiding in Russia yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. It's like... So, there, you know, there's... brutal. There, there's... There's stuff that, quite frankly, through no fault of your own, is well above your pay grade. Oh, but yeah. you know, the, the the other question I had here is, and you've addressed this in some ways throughout the day, but we just spent so much time going through the science of how this would work given future weaponry. And you mm -hmm. mentioned that that's what you got to after initially thinking UFOs. But even after what you found now, mm -hmm. do you still think there's a small possibility that perhaps this is some sort of extraterrestrial event? Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
going back to like, out. am I really tied to any one narrative? I've never have been, but I also like to be open about my opinion as well. So, you know, I think there's still a chance it could be some type of non-human intelligence situation. You know, if you believe that type of scenario, then I think people should definitely look at the 4chan leaks. There was some, uh, oh boy, you know, someone posted on 4chan. Long story short, they argue that there are some underwater bases that are producing UAPs to spec, oh and then anything boy. that goes near them just gets zapped and disappears. And I thought that was interesting about the part of the disappearing, yeah, right? Yeah, but it's 4chan. Yeah, um, sure. You know, I mean, I bet I get some interesting things coming out of there that, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think that some of the stuff they weave together, the story they weave together requires like a lot of creative thought, but then you also had all this background of UFOlogy in addition to it. And the fact that they were answering questions in real time, I also thought was pretty interesting. But so, I mean, just, I mean, even believing in non-human intelligence requires a certain level of disbelief to be suspended, right? So that's why I would say if that is your kind of line of thought, might look at that because I think that there is arguments that can be made there, which can help say, okay... Maybe this plane got to the wrong spot and we were filming it and we just happened to be filming at the exact right moment with the right assets filming down from two different angles and then zap, this plane disappears, right? There's also a lot of other different narratives that you could believe. You can There's hybrid narr- narratives with all this stuff too. Some people argue that the non-human intelligence are working with the humans and what have you. To me, I just like to try to keep it as simple as possible. <laughs> like, okay, to me, the simplest solution is we're the ones filming it, we're in charge of this, we're the ones who pulled it off. Right. And everything else, if people are going to present those arguments for me to at least believe them, they need to present some evidence that goes along with it. Like, okay, why is Russia now the ones who are China, the ones who did this? Or why is this now non-human intelligence that's required, even though we can use science and explain everything that we see? Um, So, yeah, I think there's a lot of different angles. You can even take more esoteric angles. Like the funnest one, I think, is that, you know, AI is taking over the world and the sentient program is the one that's in charge of all this. Right. And the sentient program is the one that did this the AI program. Um, you could also make arguments, very esoteric arguments, like, oh, these are angels or, you know, something like that, or that, uh, you know, something else is benevolent that's saving this plane that's more metaphysical. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, we've had guys on this podcast who have talked about some arguments that happen even within the government on things like not related to MH370, yeah. but on general ideas about unidentified phenomenon being biblical demons yeah i've heard that as well yeah i've i i had in i had i've had in a few people who have at least mentioned that but it's so fascinating but alessi keep keep the cameras rolling if you don't mind we're we're gonna do something right now we're gonna wrap up this second episode though i really appreciate you coming out here and sharing all this information what i want to do is a quick patreon episode Hey guys, there's some important context here that we did not have when we were recording this episode. Otherwise, this would have been totally different and I wouldn't have even recorded it, to be honest with you. But since we sat down here, Ashton went on a podcast with my friend Danny Jones on his show, The Danny Jones Podcast, where Danny had Nico from Corridor Digital do a full breakdown of the MH370 videos that Ashton is claiming is real, in which... He proved definitively that they are 150% fake. There is no question about it. Ashton melted in front of this guy's video, breaking it down. It was very difficult to watch. I had a lot of secondhand embarrassment. I would like to say I am very embarrassed that I had this guy on the show. That is my fault and my fault alone. I should have done my due diligence on Ashton before I agreed to bring him on. I didn't do that, and so we have two episodes here that are with a guy who 
has no credibility as a charlatan, a, a grifter. And yeah, I, I was aggressive with him because you guys didn't see off camera leading up to this and some of the things he said, particularly right before we went on camera that had me very pissed off. And I, I knew the guy was exactly what he is. And so in that first episode, especially, I mean, you know, if someone's going to sit there and lie to my face on camera or also in other instances, tell me things that are patently untrue. And then when presented with contrary points, still insist that it's an opinion and that they think they're right. I'm not going to let that go. I'm never going to let that go. That's that's That goes against everything that I believe in. So if you don't like that, I'm sorry. That is how I handle business here. If there was a way to be softer about it, okay, maybe. But I didn't like this guy at all. It's the first guest I've ever had who I've ever said a bad word about. I've loved every guest I've ever had in here, including people who I disagree with a lot. I am very protective of my guests. I care about what what they have to say when they come on here and how much they share and how much they're willing to do on camera. And that's a sacred thing to me. This guy killed that trust by defaming me privately to people I know and publicly in the five days leading up to the first episode. And I'll admit by about 48 hours before that first episode came out, I was fuming. I was fuming. And that intro reflects that. The intro from the first episode absolutely reflects that. So I am sorry for having this guy on and it won't happen again. And by the way, that episode with Danny on his podcast will be released a few days after this one. So keep your eyes out for that and you'll be able to see the full debunking. Please be sure to smash that subscribe button and hit that like button on the video before you leave. Thank you.